district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash off is the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T district, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish, fish, fish. What is up, Fantasyland? We are back in the GOAT district where winners come to hang. And tonight's no different, man. Last week from the Roto Underworld, we had Josh Larkey, the code breaker himself. Mr. Player Profiler, and he dropped some straight fires. I mean, Theo, Dan, straight fire last week on the rookies for my boy Josh. Yeah, that was a absolutely. So if you missed that, make sure you go to last week. Check it out. We talked rookies, everything post-NFL draft to help you in Dynasty. We called it the Dynasty War Room. Tonight, we're doing redraft. And like we do it every week on the district, we're doing it big. Theo... I'm going to let you walk our guest in tonight. He's, uh, he's uh, one of your big gets from this offseason. So you're, you've been on a roll, man. So I, I, I got to let you walk our man in tonight. Oh, no, it's my pleasure uh, to have Chris McCarr on the show. Um, he's an NFFC Hall of Famer. Uh, I believe it's one of 10, 10 guys, Chris, or 11 guys in the Hall of Fame now. I, I think we're about there, nine, ten now. Yeah, with the yeah, addition so, of uh, Chris Ebel this uh, past couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris is Chris is one of the best players in the entire country. He won the NFFC Primetime, which is for FFPC guys. That's the equivalent of the main event for the NFFC. Um, three-time top ten finisher in the in the primetime, um, and he also writes a tremendous uh, article, uh, weekly column in the Athletic which is um, some really great stuff for, from the, for the high-stakes uh, world of uh, fantasy. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a different, refreshing look um, at fantasy. It's not your cookie-cutter column. It's a great column. Um, so we're, we're really happy to have him in the GOAT district talking a little redraft. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I, I have played in a league against Chris, and uh, he's, a, he's a tough man to beat. I mean, you know, just sitting in the, in the draft room with him, watching him at the other end of the – you know, we were, we were at opposite ends. Chris is on one end of the horn. I'm on the other end. And every time I'm watching him, just like double tap value down there. I'm like, God, <laughs> <I> just thought. <laughs> so, way to do it. Double tap. Yep. Yeah, guys, I appreciate the kind words. And uh, you are all great players yourselves. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, looking forward to the show. And uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, let's have some fun and get into this here. Yeah, man, for sure. For for anyone who is kind of tuning in, we're we're a little uh, behind schedule, but in the district, man, we run the schedule, so we're right on time. So pay attention. We're talking all kinds of goodness, Chris. I'm going to come back to you. Just let's start with the athletic. How long you've been writing there? Tell us about 
you know, what people can expect if they're not already familiar with your, with your work, which if you're not people go and sign up to the athletic right now. So you can check out Chris's work, but just give us, give, give our listeners an idea what they can find, what you focus on and any other goodness you want to share about the, uh, the platform. Yeah, guys, uh, I'm going into my third year now uh, with The Athletic. Uh, it was, uh, you know, a perfect match uh, for me. They give me the ability to, uh, you know, write freely uh, every week. You know, it's a, it's a little bit of everything, you know. Uh, it's a, a look back on the past week, a look ahead. Uh, you know, I'll be writing starting in July, straight through the summer, getting, you know, my readers uh, ready for the upcoming season, trying to break down boards. Uh, I think Theo said it pretty well in, in the opening. Uh, I try and write and, and even my podcast, uh, you know, I, I try and I, I go, I guess I go a little differently uh, off the script. You know, I, I, I kind of forget that there's a, an audience out there sometimes. And it's just like, I'm trying to talk to my friends out there and try and break down draft boards. And, uh, you know, I try and keep it interesting for the the readers and, uh, and the listeners and, uh, you know, give my uh, view from a high stakes point of view uh you know to everybody so it's a, it's a little different spin on what you i guess you usually used to listening to and reading maybe going back to i mean the guys highlighted obviously i mean hall of fame it doesn't get any better than that what maybe give us an idea of your your fantasy career you know like how you mm-hmm. got into it how long you've been playing and how you got to that to the peak of the mountain i guess you could say uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of an interesting story, I guess. Uh, you know, I started real young in, in uh, high school. I was obsessed trying to find, uh, I'm 41 years old right now, so you could do the math with that. Uh, you know, we were still trying to break out pens and, you know, doing uh, scoring over the weekend on, on our pens and pads at, at that point. So uh, I was just obsessed with football. And then when fantasy started becoming big in high school and in college, I was just trying to get in every league possible that I could find. Uh, I think I was about 23, 24 years old where I opened up a fantasy football magazine and I saw the uh, advertisement for the NFFC, a live event. And I said, oh, my God, this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I wanted to, you know, I I wish that something like this would happen, uh, you know, would come along. And it did. And I remember uh, being a, a young kid walking into that ballroom uh, in New York City, first time at 24 years old, I look around, there's, you know, 10 draft tables set up, there's a hundred and something people in there. It was like Christmas morning, guys. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, the rest is the rest is history right there. Uh, once I was hooked. And, uh, you know, from there, I, listen, that was about 2004, 2005. I, um, I actually had immediate success and I thought, all right, I got a little cocky. And I, I sit there and I, I win my league the first year. Uh, and then I struggled after that for two or three years. And I said to myself, all right, I, why am I struggling? I got to do something to switch this up. And it was about 2008, 2009. I started looking at the game. I thought it would, uh, I thought it started changing a lot more towards a pass happy, um, you know, league. I said, okay, you know what? Everybody is so locked in as like a dinosaur here at these live drafts and everything that, it's just running back, running back, you know, right off the start. And I said, well, why don't we flip this a little bit in the NFFC? You can, uh, yeah, there you go. In the NFFC, you can, you can decide where you want to draft. And uh, at that point, I said, let me go to the end of the first round every time I can get a chance to get my double pick. And then I always had the first pick of the third round, which is how they did third round reversal. You know, the Danian Tomlinson rule. 
came into effect. And uh, at that point, when I was doing it in 08 and 09, going receiver, 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 right off the bat, you get three out of the top four receivers off the board because everybody was still so running back heavy. Uh, so that's just, you know, where it started, 08, 09. I started doing that approach, had success with that. Everything started changing for me. And then I uh, had a couple top 10 finishes those years. And uh, in 2012, boom, I, you know, I, I, it all came together for me with that approach. And uh, I hit the overall. And, uh, you know, the rest is history, I guess. That's awesome, man. Your your description of walking into that room reminds me of two things that happened in Vegas. One is World Series of Poker. You, the first time you walk into that main room, man, it's just bananas, like a sea, of, a people, yeah. sea of people. And then Dan, Dan was there the first time I went to the FFPC live in Vegas. Same thing, man. You walk in and you're like, you know, you got tables everywhere, drafts going mm-hmm. on everywhere, the girls at the boards, and it's just a yeah. good time, man. So that that's cool Dude. that you uh, – yeah. There's nothing better than walking into those live drafts in New York, Vegas. Uh, you know, every year it's it really is Christmas morning. It's the day that I look forward to the most every year. Uh, it's a little different now. Back in the day, like I said, in, in those days, you'd walk into the live drafts. There'd be 10, 12 tables set up. Theo, you know now, you know, last bunch of years in New York City, you know, Every, now that we have the online option, uh, online option to draft every night, the, these teams come late August and September. More, you know, people are choosing to go that way, so it's a little bit of less of a live crowd, but still gets my blood boiling, guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of funny to watch the expressions on all three of our faces when you were talking about yeah. walking into that draft room for the first time. I mean, if you've never been to a live event. Uh, you know, you owe it to yourself to get out there and uh, and try one out. I mean, there's just nothing like that feel of a high stakes draft about to go off, you know, and tables set up everywhere, and it, it, it's just it's fantastic. You no get an absolute absolute rush. There's there's nothing yep. better. I mean, Vegas and Vegas for for FFPC and NFFC, and uh, you know NFFC having New York, it, it's just nothing better. It gets your blood boiling. Um, you get to see names with the faces of the people you've competed against in, in previous yeah. drafts. Um, yep. I always enjoy that. Um, and then it's you get a real camaraderie because of the, the high stakes aspect. There's not a lot of people doing what we're doing. Um, and it's it's there's no harder competition in fantasy football. People love to talk about how hard my league is. Well, mm-hmm. show up and draft with with <laughs> with Dan Williamson and Chris Barrow. And then come tell me how hard your league is. It's uh, it really, really sharpens you, and it's absolutely nothing better. Um, if you're a fantasy footballer, you got to try it one year. It's it's uh, it's nothing better than those live drafts. Absolutely, and and you know what, we, we keep coming back, and and people say, hey, listen, you could stay online and and maybe get some lesser uh, you know, competition and pick and choose your players, but. Going to these live events in New York and Vegas, you know who you're going to go up against. You know we are going to see, you know, the guys that I'm looking at right now. And, you know, the the Edelmans and the Lowys and the, you know, Billy Wazes of the world and all the great players, the Chad Schroeders, all the high stakes guys that we all know. And we know, you know, listen, it's ego involved sometimes. We want to sit down at that table with those guys and feel like we're the best at it and and, and go up against them and challenge ourselves uh, you know, every year. And, and that's why we prep now and, and in these past couple months and leading all the way up to August and September, because you can never be too prepared. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not going to outwork very many people at those live drafts. 
That's what yeah, people, people go there loaded with info, right? There's uh, and yeah. what's, what's the bare knuckle one where you're basically going with nothing? Oh, you're, I love the just... bare knuckle. <laughs> I love the bare knuckle, JD. We I did that live, and Theo, were you there doing the bare knuckle a couple years I have back? Not, I have not done. I've not done the bare knuckles, and I do. Uh-huh. I and I have this conversation with Dan. I don't do the bare knuckles, and I don't do the, the live <laughs> auctions. But I'm. I'm <laughs> Oh my God, some that's year, a whole nother year Listen, I am so addicted it. to auctions. I can't believe yes. you don't do auctions? God damn. Yeah. Oh, I do auctions. Oh, yeah. I do oh auctions. my God. Like, for me, an auction is just, and, and Dan's an unbelievable auction player. I know you are as well. But for me, it's so draining. I could do, oh, yeah. I like to do oh, the yeah. gauntlet. <laughs> On that Saturday, the NFFC, I do the, I do the classic, the primetime, uh-huh. and the silver bullet back to back. And the night before, yep. I always did the prime time and now I'm in the, the New York super with you. So yes. it's live draft, live draft. Then the next day, live draft, live draft, live draft. That's enough yeah. for me. I know you guys like doing that daytime auction oh, uh, to kick off the day. And that is to me, it's like, gosh, I, I can't even <laughs> imagine doing a, doing a two high stakes auctions. Um, and then have to do two, two redraft oh, leagues. That's, that's oh, it's crazy. Fun. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. And now they and now they um you know, and now they offered the uh for the first time ever the the New York Super Auction, which yeah. is at the middle of the day on that Friday live after the 11 a.m. auction and then right into a prime time and then right into the New York Super, which Theo, correct me if I'm wrong, we've been saying it for years and and not just cuz we're in it it's the toughest league that I've ever seen and part of. There's five now, uh, four or five Hall of Famers in it. The other guys that aren't Hall of Famers are like Nelson Sousa and Glenn Lowy. Like, just it's a loaded field. Value is gone by like, you know, like the sixth round. You could forget about it. It's just an unbelievable league. But just real quick, back to I was late to the auction scene maybe like five or six years ago I got into it. I am so obsessed and 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 love doing auctions almost as much as if not as redrip if there's an auction i'm jumping in it but uh between that auction and that bare knuckles which was the craziest draft i've ever been a part of it's uh there's so many different options right now and and we're addicted to all of them yeah the the one thing i will say because actually this is reminding me dan i think this is literally how you and i started talking i was i was kind of reaching out about going to, you know, kind of letting people know I was going to the FFPC, you chimed in and then I started asking you questions, but I'll say this, cause I went down there and I did an auction. I asked Dan, I was going back and forth. Do I do a live draft? Do I do an auction? But I was not an auction guy at that point when I was down there. So mm-hmm. my, my suggestion is, especially if you're going down there and you're not necessarily like a high stakes player, like you're buying into a bunch of these high stakes leagues, maybe you have one or two buy-ins or bullets. I would suggest do what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. and then go because that's what i i just i got i went there and i got smoked guys like honestly i, I did i was doing there's like a father-son team that just whooped my ass that the entire <laughs> draft like i i just you know it, it's so i would that's the only suggestion I, I would say is go do what you're comfortable with so that you get the most out of it you enjoy it don't go there to learn something new because you're playing with a bunch of sharks you know you don't you don't go to the world series and learn how to play poker right it's the same thing yeah, yeah, and you know what? In the auction game, you'll you'll get you'll take your lumps early if you're just jumping in, uh, you know, uh, with, with cold feet. You, you, you know, my first year doing an auction was rough too. Uh, so you got to get a kind of a handle of it. That's for sure. Maybe do a couple auctions, uh, you know, in your home leagues or outside. Mm-hmm. But 
you come to one of those tables and, and people would rise that price up. They'll they'll stop playing games with you and you got to see who's bluffing, who's not and, and have a game plan. And and not only have a game plan, but just like in redraft, have about 15 backup plans to your original plan, because you know what? Chances are you're going to need it. Yeah, 100 percent. That is for sure. Yeah. Hundred uh, percent. Shout out to Scott Fish. The Pigs Three is is where I've gotten my auction uh, education with guys like John Bosch, who are just obsessed with with auctioning uh, Bosch, their, yeah. their dynasty startups. But um, no, I, I got one last question, Chris, before we get into the goodness. Yeah. I, I'm curious, a guy like you, do you have a favorite NFL team? I do. Um, you know, I'm a pretty diehard New York Giants fan here in New York. Uh, I have been since I was a little kid. Uh, and I've been lucky enough to get enough Super Bowls and, and see it, you know, enough of them. Uh, we've been struggling for a couple of years now, but uh, I love what we're building here in New York uh, with, with my G-men. Nice. How do you feel about Daniel Jones? Hey, you know what? I, there's <laughs> definitely a lot more people that are higher on Daniel Jones than I am. Um, I don't think he's somebody that could carry your team or your franchise. Uh, I, I think he's no, nothing more than a game manager. I don't ever see him, you know, taking that next step to being an elite quarterback in the NFL. He certainly right, has so, the weapons here. Yeah. But so let's, well, yeah. Let, let's just dive into the Giants for a quick second. I mean, since we're yeah. there already, uh, mm-hmm. you know, basically I'm seeing – Two major takes on the Giants. One is Daniel Jones isn't that good. Jason Garrett's a horrible offensive coordinator. <laughs> this team is going nowhere. Uh, you know, it's all going to get – Gettleman's a terrible general manager. It's all going to get blown up soon. And then the other take is, you know, they're surrounding uh, Daniel Jones with with weapons. They've built up his offensive line. Um Last year was an aberration. You know, he, he, he's he got the weapons now. He can succeed. Uh, Garrett's going to protect him by, you know, making sure with, you know, he'll have Saquon around again. Where, where are you falling on all this, uh, Chris? I, I'm more towards the, the latter uh, of that. I like what they're doing. I like uh, how they built uh, the offseason. I love the Kenny Galladay. I'm a pretty big Kenny Galladay uh, fan. So that's, you know, that's my guy. I'm glad that they got him to be a number one because that's what they were lacking is a legit number one wide receiver. No excuses there. They gave him a number one. Then they go and draft Kadarius Tony in the first round, um, you know, 20th overall to give another weapon, which I, you know what? At first, when they made that pick, I said, "Uh, did we really need a wide receiver here? We have Sterling Shepard and Slayton. We're bringing Barkley back into the the mix. Um, You know, we could get into that, the the draft. But, um, you know, it grew more on me, honestly. Uh, It grew on me. But I like the moves in the offseason, especially on the defensive side, bringing in a Dory Jackson. Hey, listen, they spent money. There's really no more excuses here for the Giants and Daniel Jones uh, coming into this season. So um, I, I think they'll be a, a playoff team this upcoming uh, year. We're going to start this off. Our boy Trey sends us a little OTC action. So I'll, I'll go to you, Chris. Uh, Daniel Jones or, or Wentz, Carson Wentz out there uh, in Indy? Uh, for this upcoming season, I think you got to go Daniel Jones just because, like I said, the weapons that we just gave him. Uh, you know, we got Evan Ingram still for another year at least. Uh, and, and these guys, listen, you put Barkley in that backfield, a fully healthy Barkley. Teams are going to focus in on him. Teams aren't going to, you know, you can't double team our weapons out wide with, with Slayton and Shepard. There's going to be guys wide open. And then on top of it, you know, I, I, yeah, Wentz can use his legs as well, but. 
not like Daniel Jones can. Daniel Jones can uh, help you in the in the you know with the rushing stats in fantasy uh, as well. So give me Jones over Wentz. Yep. Yeah, as long as he doesn't trip over that ten yard line, he's uh... <laughs> the ten yard the ten yard line uh, monster. Yeah, it got yep. him. Oh man, it's it's tripped up more than one player I've seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. All right, guys, before we get into the war room, quick reminder, if you're watching, listening, subscribe button right now, the big red one, smash it, smash the reminder button, the little bell, anything, anything that'll help us, a little comment is good. We appreciate all of it. We appreciate you hanging with us. Guys, let's get into the war room, man. We, you know, we started touching on, on the, the draft. Dan is a pro, just segued right into it nicely with, with his questioning there. The flow is in full effect. Now that it's behind us, Chris, if you're looking at, you, you know, you we talked again about your Giants, but looking at some of your favorite landing spots, maybe give us a couple. We don't want to give too much of your secrets, right? Because you still have some drafts, but you, give it's us. Early, it's early, J.D. It's good to have you on now. If you ask him, oh, this, I got a whole People are going to bookmark this thing when they go to New York and they know Chris is in the draft. You know? August 1st, no, Dan no, no, Chris no, I'm going to you the real so I like that. I like that, Chris. I like Leo, that. You're going to forget everything I tell you I by late it. August anyway, right? That's it. Come, yep. to New York Super, come to New York Super. It's all forgotten. Like, like you learn in sales, man. People remember 10% of what you tell them anyway. All right. So, all right. I, I got to tell you guys a quick story. All right. Um, draft Addict, who, who does a lot of FFPC, um, you know, he's playing, he's playing in, uh, you know, best balls and everything all summer long. He shows up to one of his Vegas drafts and one of the people at the table for his draft walks up to him. They've got a notebook, like a spiral bound notebook this thick, <laughs> with all of his drafts in there, all of his tendencies and everything. Wow. He's looking at it. He's going, they know things about me. I don't even know about me. <laughs> 100%. Dan, what you just said, believe me, it happens with a lot of people. Yep. I, I'll speak to players all summer long and they'll be like, Two months ago in the 14th round, you took, you know, Mike Smith. And, and why did you take him over that? And I'm like, what? I'm like, are you serious? And then it, it the things that happen in this high stakes market are really crazy. But, Dan, like you just said, there are people that I know that keep track of other players, who they're picking, what's going on. And by the time September comes in these big drafts, they can look across the table at you and say, all right, it's the fourth round. You want, you know, player A or player B? And yep. you're like, wow, you're right. It's an old you know? trick too, man. You take notes of guys at the table, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? If you, if you start thinking like that at the draft table and you're worrying about everyone else, uh, you know, and who they want and who they like, it's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's tough mm-hmm. to work that way. I, I try and worry about myself. Yep. I think that I think that comes into play when you know what your competitor – just say like, you know, Theo, like the New York Super. By the time we get to that table – Everyone's going to try and position themselves going, okay, I want that sixth spot, that sixth seat, because I know that player A, B, and C want to be in the back end, and they want these three guys. And and then it's just everybody starts trying to – it's one of those. you know. We'll, we'll save that for another time. But, yeah, there's a lot of that that goes on. But, but I love that you said that, Chris, because we talk about that often. I even asked Dan, Theo, like because we do a lot of best balls. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know – it's like I don't personally look at anyone else's team when they're drafting, but then you'll see like the guy right before you 
obviously trying to snipe you, you know, and he went totally out of his way, messed up his whole roster construction. And you're like, I didn't even want to go there, but yeah. you know, and, and I, I feel like I, I, that's why I find it's interesting that you're saying that with the success you've had, because mm-hmm. that's something we coming back to is focus on your own team, your own construction. Yeah. You want to see what's happening in the draft. So you know where to take specific mm-hmm. positions or guys, that kind of thing. But I like that you said that. Yeah. And yeah. it's listen, and it's all about preparation. And what I said earlier about having so many different plans going into each draft, you know, I could be in that 12th seat and have that 12th and 13th pick. You got to have multiple options in that seventh round. You got to know, okay, listen, there's, I plan on having these three running backs to choose from and these five receivers to choose from. And if they're not there, what's plan B? And mm-hmm. how do I have those guys in order? And then attack and attack. Each round is a different draft plan that you got, you, you know, that you got to look at. So there's so much that goes into this, guys. You, you guys know. Um, but you got to, at the end of the day, like you said, JD, you got to just worry about your team. Yep. You know, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Most, of, most of the value of knowing what other people are doing is just knowing when you need to, to strike for guys that mm-hmm. will, will help your own build rather than, you know, if you're out there trying to hurt somebody else's build, you, you just became the rake. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's nothing more important than knowing the, the whole entire draft board inside out and knowing, all right, you know, I'm at pick 47. And when I yep. get to pick, you know, 65, I, you know, I, I need it. I, yeah, I need some running backs here, but there's only four left that I like, you know, just sizing up the whole draft. Board. No, if I don't get those four running backs, now I got to switch back. I got to go to a wide receiver, wide receiver, heavy approach. Maybe, maybe this is a team that I got to, you know, I'm going to take that elite top five quarterback at that point. And, and now I'm going to look down the board five rounds from now and you know, what running backs am I liking as my late guys as running backs? That's how I'm going to build this team on the fly. And you got to be, like I said, again, adjust on the fly at that draft table. Yeah. I know, I know we're supposed to talk rookies and stuff, but this is like, you're not asking. <laughs> Sorry, Ray, I, 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 I know I got all over the place. We're, we're, we're chasing great. rabbits, but it's good. Well, I was going to say, it's like running into Joe Rogan and not asking him to do a, like a reverse, like uh, reverse. What does he do? A reverse jump kick or whatever that he's like one of the best in the world. That like guys like GSP are learning from him. So I got to pick your brain. Um, do you do best balls? Yeah. Yeah. You Throughout do. the summer. Uh, yeah, I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you do best balls as a, as a way to get yourself prepped? I think like I, I, I spoke to, um, you know, I spoke to a uh, Beeb uh, Agbatova, who's the back, back uh, football guys uh, championship yeah. winner. And he'll do a couple of best buys just to get himself prepped. Do you, do you find yourself doing those or are you more, getting into those uh, football guys and getting into the, the uh, road wires. Um, yeah, the online, yeah, Theo, good question. I, um, I treat the online championships as practice uh, leading in. You know, I start in June, um, you know, late June. I, I'm not a drafter who goes early like right now. Um, I like to I, I like to get, you know, my information – I can look at all these draft boards. There's so much now that's, you know, out there. I can study my draft boards without entering these contests, put myself in spots, and I use and and go from there until I'm comfortable enough to say, okay, I know exactly what I want to do and, and my my uh, different options when I'm in that live when I'm in that actual draft and get in them in, in late June and early July and then go from there. That's the online championship. But for the the best balls and the draft champions. I'll start those and I'll use those as, as practice as well. But it's a totally different type of draft, as you guys know, the best balls, the draft champions. 
Um, yeah. You know, compared to when online championship season starts and then after that, you know, main event season. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things I have to, to really work on is, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing a lot of best balls and then all of a sudden I happen to a, you know, a, in a FFBC, uh, you know, football guys or whatever, I've got to switch gears because what's working yes. for, <laughs> you know, best ball yeah. is not going to work for that. Well, uh, Dan, you know, I've got, you threw me into that 150 on that Friday night and I had been doing best balls galore and I, I made that one pick. I don't remember who it was now, but I even told you, I was like, I was totally in best ball mode. And I, I think yeah. I like double tapped like two receivers on the same team or something. And I was like, I don't have to do that, but yeah, yeah it, it, they're totally different builds of teams, totally. you know, mm-hmm. best balls compared to online championships. And I think a lot of people actually still struggle with that. Like you just said, JD, uh, because they see the ADP, you know, mm-hmm. early in draft season, and they go, oh, my God, this guy is going, you know, 65th overall. And then you get into online championship season, and all of a sudden now he's 85th overall. Well, why? Because now all the quarterbacks, everybody's trying to jump on those quarterbacks early with best ball. So you have two or three, you know, starters, you know, there. And, and, it, and it messes up the ADP. So I try not even to look at ADP. Um, at this point right now, um, I know online championships just started in the NFFC, the FF, um, uh, FFPC, they've been going now for a little bit. You can look yep. at that. Well, guys. I wouldn't even, uh, I don't even look at the draft champions ADP, uh, unless I'm in a draft champions and I want to get a good feel. So when just that, this is what I meant to ask you earlier. Sorry when I asked you if you did best balls. Uh, my, the whole point of asking you that was when you're walking in or when you're, whether you're doing these best balls or when you're walking into these big money leagues live, are you, are you using, not using ADP? Do you have your own rankings? Do you do tiers? Like what's your, what is your tool that you're bringing in there? Yeah. Um, you know, I do put, I do sit down in August and I'll, I'll start doing my, my rankings for the, the main event season. Um, so I have that and then I'm using the ADP, but I use the ADP late in the draft season. I, cause I'm not concerned what it is in June and July. You know, I, I don't care. Everything changes. You know, once these teams get to camp and, and players start shooting up and down boards that, you yeah. know, I'll go into that and, and use the latest ADP, you know, towards the end of the season, along with my rankings. And that's what I'm, I'm comparing. I'm, I, I don't care what the ADP is in terms of if, if a guy is my guy, and he's going in the fifth round and I want him in the third round. And I know I, I see his ADP is trending up towards the fourth. Well, guess what? Now I know I got to jump quicker. So I'm using the ADP just to see how the flow of the players are going, you know, throughout the summer. Are they going up? Are they going down? Do I have to jump around to get my hands on that guy? Or can I sit back and take a shot, letting him go an extra round for me to get him? Yeah, that's that's so critical. I mean, you know, because as you know, when you get to Vegas or when you get to New York City, you know, you you, you see players literally jumping from draft to draft to draft. You know, as as day by day goes by, and you know, you'll you'll see certain players getting pushed up and up and up the draft boards, and other players getting pushed down and down and down. So for me, you know, one of the big things I'm looking at is when I walk into a, a draft room in Vegas, I want to know. You know, for for my guys, you know, the guys that I'm most interested in getting, you know, if they're if they're one of those players that's jumping up, where where's the point where I'm bailing on them? You know, where right. I'm, I'm going, that price is too rich and I'm going to let somebody else have them. And then for the guys who aren't necessarily my guys, but all of a sudden the price maybe becomes right. 
because they drop, you know, down to a certain point and all of a sudden I'm like, well, that's, that's a value and I probably better jump on it. You know, even if I'm not totally sold on the player, sometimes it's, you know, some, some of my best players have come from guys I'm not totally sold on, but everybody's allowed them to drop far enough down the board where all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take this player. Uh, it's a dangerous game doing that, but mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it does work out. Yeah. Uh, 100%. So, yeah. And like you just said, I'm sorry. I, you, 100%. That's why when people say, oh, that guy's off my board com- completely, there's not many guys I'm going to say going into a draft that he's mm-hmm. completely, you might not like certain players, but you know what? Value is value. It's all right. And, 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 yep. and sometimes it works. And just like you said, Dan, so that's a great point. I don't hate players. I hate ADPs. That's it. There you go. Any, at, at there you point, go. Every single guy is a value. At some point, every single guy is a value. Um, and I think that, like Dan touched upon and Chris as well, um, you'll see these guys as you get closer to the kickoff. And in, in NFFC and FFPC, we're drafting after the Thursday kickoff. Um, you'll yeah. see guys just shoot up the board. Um, mm-hmm. And like Dan said, you have to find a uh, you have to find a fine point where the guy is now I don't want to touch. I mean, a guy like and a guy like the, a lot like Kenyon Drake last year. Kenyon Drake kept moving up and up and up, and he was kind of a value at you know a perceived value at twenty four twenty five. But now we get into the big drafts right before the season, and he's going eleven. Um, mm-hmm. You know, avoiding Kenyon Drake would have been. A great move. I mean, there's a couple guys we can talk about like that. So, um, it definitely, um, definitely, the ADP kind of goes out the window, and you've got to kind of get your guys, but don't fall on that sword just to get the uh, the guy that's shooting up. Yep, for sure. And we we talk about when we were in Vegas, Dan uh, Cream Hunt had his first yes. game on the Thursday night, KC uh-huh. New England. And the next day, were the Friday, were when all the live drafts were starting. And I remember just pictures of the of the draft boards were just flying everywhere because he was going one on one, one on two. I had a Zeke. People are freaking out. Like, what the hell? You know, it's just it's fun, but it makes it fun. It is a thing. Do you guys enjoy drafting after that Thursday opener? For do you enjoy it first off, and do you enjoy it more or less than before? you know, that, that Thursday opener, cause that Thursday opener is crazy. How everybody's mind gets so changed for the whole entire season yep. based on that one game mm-hmm. ADP wise, you know, it's, you know, just like the, the year Peyton Manning, you know, uh, through seven touchdowns, people were taking him first overall the next day, but Hey, what, he was a third rounder the night before, but everybody yeah, right. wants those points. So now all of a sudden, are you going to, you, you're signing up for those points to bag them, but you know what? There's 16 more weeks after that. So I don't know how you guys feel about drafting after. I feel like it's, uh, you know, just personally, I put all these months of prep into drafting a certain draft board to what? Get it all thrown out the window for, you know, two days over one game. So I'll draft a couple teams after that, you know, Thursday nighter, but I prefer beforehand. Uh, Yeah, I don't don't mind after. Yeah, I don't mind after just because of the fact that, you know, there's – you know, people are making those big swings and, you know, so that that can be an advantage if you're willing to, you know, stick to your guns, right. uh, you know, and, and sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, looking at the information at hand and saying, you know, well, this definitely needs to change how I was perceiving that player like Peyton Manning, you know, he, 
I, I had him kind of the same as you, Chris. You know, he was a third rounder before that. But then when I'm in FFPC leagues where there's only an 11 game regular season, and this is one of those 11 games, you know, that that to me weighed even heavier than the NFFC, you know, and, you know, it's it's like if you can get that one guaranteed win and you you've seen that, OK, yeah, Manning in Denver, this is going to you know, this is going to be smoking, um, you know, there, it, it kind of changes the calculus a little bit like, uh, you know. JD was talking about the Kareem Hunt game. Uh, I was doing a, an FFPC auction right after that, you know, and this is the the twenty five hundred dollar auction, and I'm in the in the auction, and I one of my best friends is going to be my opponent week one, and so we <laughs> both are just like gunning for the win, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> salivating over Kareem, loading up for week one. Kareem Hunt. <laughs> And Zeke Elliott, both of us are like, you know, the rest of the league is entirely dropped out. And there's me and him just bidding because we're like, you know, if one of us gets both of these guys, uh-huh. it, it it's going to suck. You know, like we're going <laughs> to lose the first week. So both of us, I, I knew what he was thinking. He knew what I was thinking. We're like, I have to get this guy up to the point where it's too expensive for him to take both. And he has to get the other guy up to the ex- the point where it's too expensive for me to take both, which is what happened. So (laughs) I ended up with Kareem Hunt. I would have rather been with Zeke Elliott, but you know, that's the way it goes. (laughs) But did you get the week one win though? (laughs) That's the only one that mattered at the end of the day. Exactly. Dragon rights. All right. So here's, here's, here's the point where I have to make my confession. I had 50 points out of Kareem Hunt and he fucking beat me on week one. No, no. Oh my God. the rest of my team shit the bed. Uh, I wish I had a soundboard right now. <laughs> 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 that's, that's okay. Man. I still finished ahead of him in the entire league. So oh, there you go. It had a happy ending. <laughs> yes. There you go. It had a happy ending. <laughs> Chris is fitting right in here. I got to say, he we have technical difficulties to start, so it fits right in right off the bat. You know? <laughs> He's, we're already off the show sheet, like way off the show sheet. He's fitting yeah. in perfectly. It's, yes. it's, it's awesome. Show, show sheet? What show what sheet? Show sheet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know what, guys? Like I said, that's the way, you know, myself and Nando DeFino, who, you know, is the co-host of, you know, my pod in uh, for The Athletic, we don't even do a show sheet half the time. We're like, you know what? We're going to go so off of it anyway, five minutes into the show, and then just talk about everything and anything left and right for over an hour. That what's the point? We never stick to the script. So I knew you guys were getting that in me, you know, trying to, but I will try and stay, stay. Uh, Which is funny because I literally put the show sheet together for the guests because we, yeah. we we're like, we pretty much know what we're going to talk about. And, you know, we have, yeah. we have an idea and all that kind of stuff. But Nando DeFino, that's like a, a poker name from the past right there. He used to do commentating for it. Yeah, for really? Pretty sure. For the, yeah, I, I didn't look at that. I didn't even. Yeah, know. I'm pretty sure back in the day I used to listen to him. He he did commentating for uh, some poker trains. Yeah, I mean um, he's got that voice for you know for radio. That's you know he was a big uh, Sirius XM guy and and everything for years. So that's you know he's yeah. done a lot in this industry. He's great on that. He's great on that pod with you. And uh, I, I enjoy some of the articles about. I'm not even a card guy, but I like reading the, the card <laughs> articles. There, it's good. It's good, interesting stuff. JD is yeah, a big I, card guy. But, I bust um, his chops like with those them. cards because he loves them. The, the, <laughs> it's, it's, Whole other rabbit hole. All right, guys, before before we, we get back to, to going off the rails here, 
we got we got to give a shout out to our to our supporters, our partners, the FFPC. Uh, you know, you guys hear us talk about it often on the show. MyFFPC.com. If you're not already on there, I mean, right now everything's popping. You got best balls anywhere from five dollars um, all the way to where are we at Dan twelve fifty. I think is the max. You've yep. got the dynasty startup starting at seventy seven dollars. Those are popping. Uh, they go up all the way to the nosebleeds. Twenty five hundred is it or five thousand? Uh, the, I always forget the, the max on the that dynasty one. Yeah. is 25,000. I think there's a 5,000. I think they have the 5,000. They have one 5,000 yeah. league right now. Yeah. The- Hopefully Alex isn't listening and I'll get my facts straight before the next episode. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you what, if you're playing in the $5,000 league, um, you know about it already. Yeah. True. True. If, that. <laughs> if you're not true that. <laughs> and then, uh, the, the main event, man, we're talking tonight, main events, just under $4 million in prize money. 500 genos half a milli i say it often man if you can go home and i'm sure chris can attest to this you go home to the wife with with a check like that man she will love the fact that you play fantasy football i guarantee it and then uh the football guys championship guys that's how that's what brought me to the ffpc uh right now they've got the early bird promos for both the main event and the football guys you get a free 35 dollar ffpc credit that you can use towards best balls dynasty whatever you want and that ends on may 31st all right, we're going to try to get back into the war room. We're going to reel it back here. We're, <laughs> we're going to bring it back to these uh, these landing spots. So, Chris, do, do, do you have, you know, a couple landing spots that kind of stand out in your mind that you that you really like from this draft? Yeah, I mean, listen, guys, the, the obvious ones right off the bat, a lot, um, you know, uh, Kyle Pitts to Atlanta, just making that offense what I feel is a top five offense in football now, as long as Julio stays in town. Um, I love I love that one. Um, Najee, you know, um, Najee yeah, Harris going to, to Pittsburgh. Uh, everybody had that there. That's a perfect landing spot to control the backfield. I love that. But there's certain other ones that, you know, I, I think like Penny Sewell going to Detroit, you know, that makes me be like, all right, I'm loving DeAndre Swift this upcoming year just to help the offensive line and, and build that team. You could see the way they're trying to the coach that they brought in, um, the, the offensive line that the Lions actually have are, is really impressive. And uh, to add Sewell right there, that helps other players. So um, I love that. And, uh, you know, I've, I love the kid Elijah Moore from uh, from Ole Miss uh, going to the Jets uh, early in the second round. I think he's a future star. I don't know if you guys saw the uh, the the video clip of when he got drafted and AJ Brown yes. uh, and him talking and AJ Brown telling him, "Yo, you're you've always been better than me." I mean, that is scary. I don't know if he was just giving him, but you want to tell him that, "Yo, you've always been better than me." I mean, the Jets got a. I loved what the Jets did in, in the in the draft. Um, yes. the, the whole draft, I, I loved what they did their first four rounds. You know, so uh, those are some of the the best landing spots. And I'll throw it back to you, JD. Does that does that include Wilson? I'll be honest with you. I thought that the wrong. I thought they made the wrong move. I said to myself. All right, you, you got the second overall pick. You should hold on to Sam Darnold. He, he's he's a young quarterback that I, I listen. I, people hate on Darnold, but if you just look at what they did, they didn't give him any weapons. They didn't, you know, he was always banged up. I think Darnold is an above average NFL quarterback. 
And I think they should have built around him instead of just, you know, they pretty much made a lateral move with, with Wilson, right. bringing him and taking the second. All right, so you just started over, but you already had a young franchise quarterback that you could have built around. Give him, you want to go out and sign Corey Davis? You want to go and, and, and you know, stack the offensive line now these last couple of years and then, you know, take the kid from Ole Miss in the second round? Give give Darnold a shot with all these weapons, and then take that number two overall pick, and hey, go take Kyle Pitts number two overall, and give him or, another, or, or trade it for a boatload of picks. Yeah, I mean, well, either way, hundred percent, right there. You could have got two first rounders. Um, so I loved what the Jets did, uh, you know, throughout the whole draft. Yeah, I, I, I mean. I, I would have had a hard time passing on uh, on Lancer Fields over. Um, oh, I agree. Over Wil- yeah, I, 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 Zach Wilson is just yeah. to me. He's, he's I think he's the fourth best quarterback in the draft. I don't know. Hundred percent agree with that, Dan. And I I thought Justin Fields should have been the number two overall pick the whole time. Fan, Fantasy yeah. Land agrees with you guys because you know Zach Zach Wilson and then um, Mac Jones basically or is that order. When you're when you're yeah. dropping, especially super yeah. flex. Yeah. Well, you know what's crazy to me? Uh, I'll just say this quick. You know, I'm a I'm a big college football guy, and uh, you know, the, we had the semifinal playoff, and and Fields puts on a show, and he beats Clemson and Trevor Lawrence, and you know, if you heard the the people talking that week, it was like, could Fields be number one overall pick over Lawrence? You know, and you know that these two guys are locked in one and two. Mm-hmm. And then the championship game happened. He had the rib injury and everything like that. Still performed well. They lose and everything to a great Alabama team. But, okay, what changed? What games were played? Did I miss any games that, you know, all these scouts saw? All of a sudden, Fields was becoming a, you know, Chris Sims was saying, you know, Justin Fields could fall to the second round. What what happened? What, the underwear Olympics happened? And all of a sudden, you know. Process maybe? I don't know. Even with the underwear Olympics, I mean, you know, where, where did Fields lose out in that? Exactly. It was the biggest mystery to me that I didn't feel people were talking about enough that those two guys were locked in one and two in January. And then all of a sudden, Fields just kept falling and falling. And here comes Trey Lance out of nowhere, you know, North Dakota. It, it, I just I think Fields will be the, the second best uh, quarterback in this class five years from now. I'm yeah, guys yeah, well. I it could be like uh I feel like these NFL teams are all kind of kind of chasing that next small school guy and looking for that next small school guy to break out. And I feel like with the with the Wilson profile, I feel like a lot of teams are trying to chase that Pat Mahomes. I mean, yeah. certainly no Pat Mahomes yeah. to me, but I think teams are, are looking trying to find that that perfect fit where, you know, we're all football guys. We all see Justin Fields and it's like, how can you pass on that guy? Mm-hmm. And just from a short marketing perspective, Every single kid on Long Island would be wearing a Justin Fields Jets jersey this week if he was drafted there. I'm not seeing too many uh, too many Wilson uh, jerseys uh, for, for the kindergartners coming out of my, my little school. But uh, yeah. I was ready to get those Justin Fields jerseys for them. I'm not even a Jets fan, but I think he would have been tremendous. But back to uh, Wilson, they've certainly they certainly have an idea of what they're doing. Um, you know, the Corey Davis edition, Denzel Mims on the outside. Um, and then, you know, I think Elijah Moore is, could could be a 70 catch guy as a rookie. I think he's the real deal. And I know, Chris, you also like Michael Carter. You want to talk about Love him Michael a little bit? Carter. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Love Michael Carter, especially where they got him uh, early fourth. 
I think he could step in right now. I mean, they got Tevin Coleman. They signed him in the offseason. But I think Carter will have that job by midseason. Um, I see where he's going in drafts right now, right after the NFL draft, where he's going in fantasy drafts. And I was like, all right, well, everybody needs to pump their brakes a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I saw him going in like the 70s overall. And I said, all right, listen, that's a little too rich for my blood. I love the kid for a future. But I don't know right off the bat if he's going to steal that job. Um, but, yeah, I, I do. I, I like Carter. Um, and, and the other North Carolina running back, Javante Williams, I I, I just don't like the landing spot. I, I don't love the landing spot. I still think, uh, you know, with Melvin Gordon ahead of him. But, you know, I know I'm jumping around here, guys. But the, the Falcons at 35 overall, I think it was early in that second round, had the perfect opportunity to take him uh, yeah. and let him – take over the show in Atlanta and they trade to Denver who then takes, who then takes it. It's that was and a right in front of Miami Denver. too. Say it again. And right in front of Miami too. And I right. Mean, Miami could have used him without yep. a doubt. So it was, yeah. a, that was a super interesting trade to me. Yeah. And here's, here's, I, I, I've kind of thrown this by JD already. Yeah, I was going to ask you about it, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all right. So, I mean, is is uh, George Patton is is he playing chess when we're all playing checkers? He signed Mike Boone and then he jumps up to take Javante Williams. What are the odds that Melvin Gordon is still a Bronco in Week One? All right, that's a good question, Dan. I, I, I'll jump in and answer that first. Here, here's the thing. Here was my thinking with that. Melvin Gordon, he had that what um, that DWI in the middle of right. last season, right? I, I think that soured the front office of Denver, and they're looking for a way to get him out of town. Mm, and, yep. and I think you could be right that they could be cutting him, uh, you know, as or as trading a casualty him. or trade yeah. him or whatever. Because I am a big Mike Boone uh, fan, also, and that would be a dynamite one-two punch there with, with Williams, the rookie, and and Boone. And, and then and, move on from Gordon altogether. So that's a good outcome. Peyton was the assistant GM in Minnesota, which is, of course, where Boone came from. So I mean, go. you know, he's Peyton definitely knows what what Boone is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so there's that. And then if you designate Gordon as a post June first cut, you save like two point four million dollars off the cap. I mean, he's still gonna, you know, you still got six million in dead cap, but you got eight point four million in what he would cost you on the contract. So yeah. you're saving two point four. Not that Denver necessarily needs the savings, but still, I mean, it's just you know one other thing. Yeah. And when yeah. when Boone, Boone is basically free too. Sorry, Theo. Yeah. Like Boone's literally free back end of rookie drafts right now, fifth round ish. Uh, you can pick Six, them up on the back end of your your you know and and you'll the nice thing about grabbing these rookie guys later in your rookie drafts is you're gonna know before the season starts like where it's at in that backfield is Gordon still there or not you know right. you, you don't have to hold these guys all season if they're not uh, gonna be significant yeah Sorry. exactly Boone is such a great pickup right now you know if you can stash them on the back end of a roster and just wait and see what happens because everybody you know as soon as Javante Williams went to Denver everybody was like oh Boone. He's he's done. He's you know mm-hmm. that was a wasted pick. You know Damn, for he, best balls he's, and everything. He's he's the Traquan Smith of running backs, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's you know a couple more. Uh, you know we're talking about uh, spots that we think are you know great spots. Um, mm-hmm. You know one 
couple players that one that terrifies me and excites me a lot is Rondale Moore to Arizona. Uh, you know, because I think he's such a good fit for that offense, but the injury history also is, you know, a little bit terrifying. And the side. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, you know, if if he stays healthy, I think he could be huge in that offense. Um, and another one I really, really like is Terrace Marshall in Carolina, yes. going back to his old offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. I mean, I, I, I think Marshall uh, could go to the moon in a year. Great call, Dan. I was that would have been that was actually going to be the next guy that I brought up. Uh, nice. was Marshall from LSU. Uh, just you know, listen, Curtis Samuel comes out of that offense, moves yep. on to Washington in the offseason. Uh, he, you know, there uh, one DJ Moore injury or Robbie Anderson injury from this kid making an instant impact every week, uh, you know, in, in that offense. So I like him. I like him even, you know, to play a nice role his rookie season as the third receiver there, along as a compliment to to DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. So yeah, I like that a lot. So so Chris, just to sit on that for a second, are you are you now maybe not drafting Robbie or does Robbie become a value? Because I feel like Robbie's becoming a value. Like some of these spots where like Fryermuth ends up in, you know, in Pittsburgh and people are gonna shy away from Ebron. Does Robbie become a value? in drafts now because people are going to write him off now that Elijah's there or are you just like going to kind of stay away? You think Elijah's going to take that role over? Well, you're, you're talking terrorists, not Elijah. Yeah. Right? yeah. I got yeah. it. Wow. Sorry guys. Wow. Yeah, cool. it was, it was like, Total break. Sorry, man. I was looking at, I was looking at Chris's face too. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> Did I name it? sorry, man. I'm, I'm, I was looking at something and I totally said the wrong name, but I apologize. So no. yes, Tar- Terrace Marshall. I apologize. Yeah, does does Robbie become a value for you, or does he become in a void? I guess is the short. It all point. depends. On, it all depends on the price. Um, you know, I, I still like Robbie Anderson. Um, you know, this upcoming. Yeah, to be honest with you though, to, and I'll let this cat out of the bag. DJ Moore, I think with Sam Donald slinging it to him, I love DJ Moore this upcoming year to have a big bounce back mm-hmm. season. Right. So. Um, you know, that's that's an offense that, you know what, it, it looks pretty good on paper. McCaffrey will be back healthy. Robbie Anderson is just about as good as a number two wide receiver you can have. And, uh, you know, Terrace Marshall coming along makes that offense complete. So, uh, you know, yeah. it's it's a pretty nice offense that they're building in Carolina yet again. Don't forget. Don't forget. And don't forget, fantasy-wise, Carolina, uh, you know, it's a perfect storm because, you know, one of the biggest things I look at is, hey, is your defense trash on the other side of the ball? Are we going to be playing these weekly high scoring back and forth games? Like, I don't want your defense to be any good. I don't want an elite defense on the other side of the ball where we're in 14-10 games. You know, tell me you're giving me the ball back quick and your defense is crap because Carolina's defense is garbage. It's a good yeah. point. I, I think Curtis Samuel vacates 97 targets. So it'll be interesting to see which way it goes. I mean, Robbie Anderson um, and and DJ Moore were, were pretty equal in terms of output last year. Um, you got to think DJ Moore gets targeted more this year. Um, mm-hmm. He's 24 years old. It's it's you kind of feel like that big season's coming. Uh, but to get back to um, you know Terrace Marshall and I know you and Dan are big fans of him. It seems a little bit like T Higgins landing in Cincinnati last year, where it's a and he went a little higher in the second round. I think that the um, injuries pushed us a little bit to the low, to the later second. But um, mm-hmm. it's a it's a very similar early breakout, big, strong guy profiles like a wide receiver one, 
Um, and it, you know, it could, could very well be kind of that missing link for that offense and, and be just a, a, a real threat. Um, you know, not a whole lot of tight end position. you got to figure it's going to be a lot of the wide receivers getting targeted there. So I love that call. Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting back to Rondell Moore, I mean, it's, it's an ideal landing spot. Um, I think Dan nailed it. Um, if it was going to be one team that you'd want him to land on, it would be a team where they're going to play four wideouts. Um, he's going to be able to play the slot. And it seems like they're really looking for a secondary target um, to DeAndre Hopkins. I think Rondell Moore could be could be a really, really productive player as a rookie. And I think he'll have a couple of smash games where he, he could go get loose for about touchdowns. Um, I like that one. Um, and, you know, for me, Jamar Chase. I mean, Jamar Chase, I think we have to look at Jamar Chase as – you know, locked in wide receiver two in, in redraft. I think the mm-hmm. guy is going to get 125 targets or more. And uh, I know it's uh, kind of square to talk about it being a great landing spot, but he gets his college quarterback. And, um, you know, what was your take on Jamar Chase in, in Cincinnati? Do you think he's going to explode right out out the, out the uh, gate here, Chris? Theo, let me tell you this much about Jamar Chase. I, a couple of years ago when he was, you know, obviously we all know he didn't play last year. Uh you know, two years ago, when I watching Jamar Chase, I said, I think this is going to be one of the best receivers of all time. I think he's that unbelievable. Nice. And uh, I think we'll be drafting him in the first round of fantasy drafts after this year right away, real quick. That's how special this kid is. I don't know if people, because they didn't see too much of him, you know, last year, so they forgot about him or whatever, but uh, he's that great one of the best wide receivers in college that I've seen in a long, long time. So I can't hype him up enough with that said and him getting burrow and everything like that. I still was like, Hey, I want to protect burrow a little more. And, and, and um, you know, and, and I'm a Joe Mixon guy and, and I want to, you know, maybe get that penne Sewell to Cincinnati and let Jamar chase fall after that. But it was a win-win for Cincinnati. Either you were stacking the offense with Higgins and Boyd and putting a real wide receiver one there um, with Chase, or you were going to build that offensive line and protect your all, you know, your your all world quarterback and, and stud running back. Um, Chase, absolute stud though. Um, I love him. I, I think it. I just don't know how you know it's going to affect Higgins and Boyd's value this upcoming season in fantasy. A lot of times, you know, a, a situation like this. A guy like Chase comes into the offense, and everybody says, "Oh my God, that's it! I'm I'm out on Boyd and Higgins, and and let him let them fall." But you know what? These defenses have to pay, you have to cover somebody, and and they can't double team a guy like Boyd anymore, or a guy like Higgins on the outside. So right. there's enough balls to go around where all these three guys can can eat, and uh, it's another offense that I uh, will be. Uh, you know, really looking to invest in this upcoming season as long as Burrow's knee is healthy from day one. Yeah, that that's going to be the key is what what is uh, Burrow's knees health? Because mm-hmm. one of the one things of the you things always you worry about at this time of year is that you know everybody's always ahead of schedule in their rehab. They're always feeling great. You know, they're just everything is always rosy, and then you get to you know late July and August, and mm-hmm. that's when the truth comes out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Want to rush him. We don't want to rush him back. He's our franchise. And now yeah. August becomes middle of September and it becomes early October. And now everybody in the offense takes a hit because Burrow isn't there. So that's definitely yeah. the number one, you know, concern. Yeah. yeah. I, I, 
Sorry, Dad, just had to burrow. I think going in this season, especially super flex, like he can't be your main guy. He can't be one of your top two guys, in my opinion, if you're going to no. compete. You're, you're building for future years if, he, if he's one of right. your two quarterbacks. Uh, and, and just in case you notice, Chris, whenever I say nice, it's because you're talking about a guy drafted in my rookie draft. So <laughs> I picked up Chase yeah, yeah. With, uh, with Burrow in one of my leagues, and I, I was like, loving it, loving it. Fair, fair enough. And before we get too far away from it, I just want to circle back to Carolina one more time real yeah. quick and just say, if you can get Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall in the same draft, that's a that's a fantastic duo. I mean, you know, you, you could be talking about, you know, uh, you know, the candy now and later. Uh, you know, the, this is the wide receiver duo that could be now and later, you know, Robbie Anderson now and uh, and, and Terrace Marshall later, you know, is as, as a we get into November and December. Dan, it's a great point of, of drafting. I, um, you know, you take Robbie Anderson in those middle rounds and Marshall's going to come a lot later in the draft and you have yourself, yeah. what you do is in fantasy, you have yourself covered. Marshall's now maybe your wide receiver six on your fantasy team, but guess what? If your wide receiver three, Robbie Anderson goes down, you don't got to say, oh, geez, I got to go hit the wire and, and spend up mm-hmm. to try and replace this guy's. Well, now you you already have your replacement built in right there. You just look at the end of your bench there, and Marshall now just got a huge boost up. Yep. I, I talked about that strategy last night on Ballin. Uh, we, draft, we draft best ball live on 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 YouTube here, and um, I talked about I like getting the wide receiver two, three, four, getting two of those guys on the same roster in the later rounds because you know that whether they interchange per games or parts of the season or they, they add up to, let's say, a wide receiver, too, where, you know, and, and that the, the examples you guys gave are perfect. And there, there's a few of those offenses right now where you can pick up guys late, like Boyd um, is definitely going to get pushed down. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you don't have someone to necessarily pair him, but if there's a, it, there's a situation where the rookie's coming in, there's already three established receivers. If you can grab that number three with the, the new, you know, shiny toy at the four, mm-hmm. those guys are going to add up to a, a, a nice receiver three or two you know, in a, in a good scenario. So that's a nice little strategy. Um, it's sort of uh, like ran, running back hand, you know, it's sort of like handcuffing your running back. Well, yeah. You, you, you know, your, your wide receiver two or three. And in the 16th round, if you can get an equal, you know, guy that you could see taking that big step up, if that wide receiver two and that offense goes down, well, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's how you build rosters right there. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. or, or, it, it, it could even be that, you know, that, that wide receiver, Three pushes the two to the side, you know, if you got that much talent. And uh, you know, Terrace might be one of those guys who has that much talent. Uh, there aren't there aren't many out there, but that's uh, that's definitely one of the guys I I have my eyes on. Yep, definitely. It's just are, also are a way of, of it's also a way of just investing in good offenses. You know, you're wanting yeah. guys on your bench that are on good offenses. I mean, last year a perfect example is. You know, we hear in the preseason, Russell Gage is going to be the number three wide receiver for Atlanta. Russell Gage, you end up doing this strategy that, um, you know, Chris and Dan talking about. Um, you know, you take Julio Jones or, or Calvin Ridley and you add a Russell Gage, you get some very useful weeks right there. So just right. you want to have good offenses, especially on your bench. Um, one more rookie I wanted to get your take on, Chris, Devonta Smith, your expectations of him in Philly. I know you like him. Um, what did you think about the landing spot and, and uh, his potential for production there? I, I loved the landing spot, and I thought that's where the NFL draft got really exciting, uh, right at that part of the draft where, that you know, uh, um, uh, you know, Horn goes eight, 
Sertain yep. goes nine to Denver, throws a wrench in Dallas's plans uh, at 10. They obviously wanted one of those corners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they go and make a deal with the devil. They go inside their, you know, inside their division. They yeah. let Philly go from 12 up to 10 uh, to jump the Giants. So, yes. I mean, it's, it is interesting. Now the story comes out. We all heard it that, you know, the, the Giants were in love with Devontae Smith. That was their pick at 11. Maybe it is probably true because they moved back right after that and um, and took another wide receiver in Kadarius Tony. So uh, maybe they had their heart set on Smith and settled for Tony after that. But I just thought it was interesting. And then but on the flip side, it was like, you know what, you're going to – you're going to trade with Philly. You're going to see this wide receiver and have to deal with him for the next decade. But guess what? If you sat there and, and you gave him to the Giants, you're going to still have to see him for the next decade in your division twice a year anyway. So uh, that was really interesting. But I do love the landing spot. I think he jumps right into that offense as the number one wide receiver, uh, along with his college quarterback uh, in Hertz. And uh, that was one of the definite top three or four landing spots uh, of guys I loved in the first round was Smith to Philly. Yeah, well, it, it, as long as we're talking Alabama wide receivers, let's just hop into Jalen Waddle. What do you mm-hmm. think, Chris? Uh, not not as thrilled as uh, I was with Smith. Um, you know, his landing spot uh, and, and Chase uh, out of the big three wide receivers that went in the in the top eleven there. Uh, Waddle's a, a, a really good wide receiver. I think my problem more is uh, with that offense. They bring in Will Fuller. They have Parker. There's a bunch of mouths to feed now in that offense. Uh, you know, uh, and on top of it, I just don't. I'm not a big Tua Tua fan. So yeah, uh, yeah I'm not Tua, a big Tua is going to be the big the big factor. I, I definitely yeah. agree with that. You know, yeah. if Tua can take a next step, mm-hmm. then then this is going to work out. You know, and it, and you know, if you want to, if you want to play that card, then I think the way you want to play that card is you want to draft Fuller. You know, it's just like Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall. You want to yeah. draft Fuller, and you want to draft um, Jalen Waddle because you can get Waddle. You know, not as late as Terrace Marshall, but you can still get him later than Fuller. So, right. But Dan, you know. right off the bat, first year, uh, you have Devontae Smith over Waddle. Yes or no? Yeah, yeah. First year, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Waddle is a little bit more of an intriguing play long term. Mm-hmm. I think he's got the higher ceiling, uh, but I don't think he can get there in the first year. Agreed. Yeah. And, 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 and my 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 uh, my concern with Smith is, you know, I'm like where I, I think Smith has a super high floor, but I'm not sure how high his ceiling is. What do you think about that? Uh, listen, you know, the first thing that comes up when, when everybody mentions his name is that size, you know, 165, right. 170, you come across the middle and someone's going to put you on your ass and you might stay down in the NFL because it's not college anymore. Uh, but the kid is an unbelievable route runner. Yes, And he I is. think they're going to find a way to always get the ball in his hands. And I could see him being one of those, you know, seven for 70 type wide receivers mm-hmm. every uh, week for Philly. Uh, you know, they'll get the ball in his hands and uh, he might not. He's not going to put up the numbers he did at Bama, but, uh, you know, the competition is less. A lot of times these guys, they just fall into the right situations, the right teams. And that's, you know, that's what I'm saying in terms of uh, Waddle compared to Smith was there's a Mm -hmm. lot more talent at that receiver position and at the skill positions in Miami, believe it or not. 
than in Philly nowadays. And that's why uh, Smith, uh, I think, will get a lot more touches and targets uh, his rookie season. Yeah, I'm, yeah, a, I'm a big sure. Smith guy. I, I think uh, I think he's got a, he's got a real chance. Um, you know, he's competitive as hell. He's a great route runner. And, you know, they talk about his uh, his weight, which is obviously problematic, but he's got this uncanny wingspan. The guy makes all kinds yeah. of catches. And I think that, um, you know, he's got some great potential there. And, you know, he's, he's, he's going to get 100 or more targets this year. You know, he's going to get probably 125 if he stays healthy. So mm-hmm. you've got to look at these rookies who are going to get targeted. And, and I definitely like Smith. Um, and then one other rookie I wanted to get your take on, Chris, Trey yeah. Sermon, San Francisco. He's a, he's a media right now. The guy is just shooting up draft boards, and uh, people are very yeah. – in, in, in Dynasty and also in redraft, people are mm-hmm. very excited about Trey Sermon. And like a lot of, uh, you know, minds in the industry that, that we would um, respect, they're on the Trey Sermon train. Are you on the Trey Sermon train? I, I am on the Trey Sermon train, and you put him behind that San Francisco offensive line, and I'm really on the Trey Sermon train. But you know how Shanahan works his running backs, and it's you know there's 42 of them over there, uh, and you know Mozart here that that you saw last couple of years the way they rotate in and out. Now, do I like Sermon more long term as a star fantasy star in in the NFL uh, than in his rookie season? Yeah. And, and I see the price that he's going in some drafts right now. And again, uh, not to be repetitive, but that's a little too rich for my blood right off the bat. Uh, so do I like the player? Yeah. Do I like the situation and the team? Yeah. But uh, it might be one of those situations where he's just rotting on your bench for the first, you know, eight, 10 weeks of the season while the established veterans ahead of him are, are getting the play and sermons in there for five carries a game. You can't really do anything fantasy wise with them. But long-term, Theo, yeah, no doubt. Sermon's going to be the main guy there for a long time. And they moved up for him. They traded it. They, yep. You know, they moved up for him, which is an even sign that how much they love him. Yeah, it's always a good up. point when, when a team mm-hmm. moves up. You just hope he's not the Keyshawn Vaughn of this year, right? There you go. <laughs> Oof, Keyshawn Vaughn. Man, he, the, that's a, that could be a camp on. casualty in, in year two, you know? Yeah. Because where's he going to go? You know what? How many you bring in Gio Bernard to play the Keyshawn that, Vaughn role? Uh, I mean, where's Vaughn? Has that's Vaughn made the team? I don't know. That's Gio. Well, he's, not, he's not playing special teams. No. Yeah. That's for sure. For sure. All right. Sorry. Go ahead, Theo. So Sermon was the the second um, highest draft pick of any running back uh, at, for Kyle Shanahan. Um, I, I actually got that today um, on another pod, and that just kind of blew my mind. Kevin Coleman was the highest highest drafted one, and now Trey right. Sermon. So they obviously put a lot into him, and um, you know this is I'm on, I'm on the Sermon train, but I think it it'll come to a point where he starts going off the board. You know, sixth round of redraft might have to uh, yeah. pump the brakes. Mm-hmm. A little. And, and that's where I've seen in a couple of drafts him go is that seventh, eighth round that I'm like, oh, geez, all right. I mean, I thought he'd be a nice little double-digit round pick for me coming up. But, you know, unless he falls further than where he's going now, he won't be on uh, many of my rosters, uh, you know, this year. Yeah, and that, that again comes back to the same point we were talking about earlier, which is you just really need to decide, uh, you know, especially as you get into August. You know where are my stops? What's what what what's my stop on the top? What's my stop on the bottom? 
you know, where, how high do I want to take this particular player? How low do I need to go before this other player becomes a value to me? And, you know, you got to stick to your guns and you got to, you know, you got to know what you really believe about these players and about these offenses and, and, uh, you know, stick to what you stick to what you really think. And, uh, you know, uh, if, if a player keeps driving up the draft board, you just can't keep following up. Uh, a la, uh, you know, Darrell Henderson a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. You know, he was a guy who kept just getting chased up and up and up draft boards to the point where it just became almost ludicrous. And, you know, it was almost, it became a tell, you know, how if, if somebody's going to draft him that high, you're, you're kind of finding the rake in your league. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you need to make sure that when you're looking at these players, you you can still set a realistic standard for them. You know, what can they realistically do this year? No matter what I think about them long term, what can they do this year for me, uh, you know, in a redraft? And even a dynasty, you know, you, you still need to have kind of that a, a little bit of that redraft mentality of, you know, what can they do this year? Because that's going to influence what what is their value going into the next year. Well, especially in formats like like FFPC, you, you don't have that many guys on your bench, man. You're not, right. you know, you're not stashing your uh, what's what's that tight end you liked in Jacksonville there, Dan? Olive, Oliver, Oliver, <laughs> uh, Josh Oliver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys, and that's why I I see some of these guys in these rookie drafts on the FFPC, and they're picking up guys. I'm like, dude, you're seriously gonna hold this guy for two two three years plus? Like, I'm not holding anyone that's not popping this year. And I was gonna say that in the beginning of this, uh, of this whole show, like. If you're in a dynasty, maybe you don't play redraft. This show applies to you because you're you're listening to us and you're a contender. So if you're a contender, you're playing the season like a redraft, man. I hate to say it. You know, that's at the end of the day, the whole point of us playing is to win the game and to win that trophy. So if I know I'm contending, I'm playing that season like it's a redraft. So all this goodness is 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 applying to you, whether you're playing dynasty or redraft, but especially as a contender um, going into this season. All right, quick question because I didn't get to ask Chris before we started this thing. Do you have a hard stop or anything? You have a curfew? You got someone waiting we there? Go all night, boys. Nah, oh, he's gonna set that up. Uh oh, last in your seatbelts, fantasy land, because we're gonna be here for a while. We're gonna go through every single rookie on the board. All of them. I'm joking. I, I'm just gonna give a quick shout out to our friends over at uh, Viridian Global. I had it at the bottom there. I'm, I'm a. Uh, I'll put it back on there, but ViridianGlobal.com forward slash collections forward slash Goat District. Get your goat gear. We got hats, shirts. I'm wearing this one today. This bad boy I just got in the mail yesterday. A little JT action. My 101 running back right there. Maybe not 101 anymore. I'll put it maybe at 103, but that's for, that's for a whole other show. But um, no, man, go check them out. Viridian, they got some good gear. Uh, you you guys drafted rookie, rookie drafts, and you, you've got your favorite rookies. They got awesome shirts, man. Like, they got a sweet Jamar Chase. They've got Harris Time. Dan and I are going to order some matching Harris Times uh, shirts since since we drafted them in, in one of our higher stake leagues. But, um, no, man, just a, a fun site. Lots of really good, uh, high-quality, comfortable. The fit's awesome. Go check it out, man. If you're into football, they've got uh, something over there for you uh, for sure. I'm going to go the other way, Chris. Just we talked about things we liked, landing mm-hmm. spots we liked, teams we liked. Uh, you even mentioned Galladay. You know, if we reach out to free agency, who are who are like some landing spots that maybe you didn't like as much 
in this draft? Uh, in the draft or in free agency? We're, we're going to start with the draft and then we'll we'll go to free agency. Uh, I think the the guy that I didn't like the landing spot the most for first round wise uh, in the draft was was uh, Travis Etienne. Um, I didn't love it. Um, I was hoping again not to bring up the usual suspects, but for him to land with the Jets or the Falcons or the Dolphins, maybe even. Um, you know, James Robinson proved that he could be a bell cow last year. Um, and then you hear Urban Meyer talking about, you know, right away, oh, ETN will come in and be our third down back. Well, you know, he's your first round draft pick. And if he landed at some other spots, he could have been, you know, the Najee Harris of that team. So I did not love uh, Travis ATN landing in Jacksonville. Uh, that would be my biggest, uh, you know, guy in, in the first that I didn't love go- going to uh, a team. Fresh off the Larky episode, Theo. With, yeah, we, uh, we, actually, we just had we just had Josh Larky on last week, and he mm-hmm. um, Travis Travis again is his rookie one hundred and one, and thinks he's going to smash in that spot. No, he um, loves him. Okay. Yeah, I I think that um you know there's it remains to be seen. I, I think Urban Meyer can say whatever he wants, but they mm-hmm. they used the number twenty three overall pick to, to get him. Um, mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's his backfield, and I think he's got a, a very high receiving really? upside. Okay. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see as the summer goes along, you know, James Robinson, how committed is the new coaching staff to him? I think that, you know, there's a chance he would have been a first-round pick if there were there was no ETN. But now mm-hmm. it's looking like, you know, they bring in high, they draft ETN. I'm not sure what to do with James Robinson, but I think it, you could make the other argument that the landing spot is good because he's with his college quarterback. Um, sure. And, you know, it's a, they certainly use the draft capital on him, but yeah, it would have been a lot easier to, to get behind him landing with the Falcons or, or the Dolphins, like you said. So yeah. I can, uh, I can see both sides of the point here with, with him. He's certainly a very talented player. Yeah, I, I mean, I see your points also as well. Um, it's just the James Robinson factor, uh, you know, and like you said, you know, he, Robinson would have been probably a back end of the, the first round, second rounder in fantasy. ETN shoots that down, you know, to, to hell uh, right now uh, for Robinson's fantasy value. But, you know, yeah, he's got the college quarterback. They have the chemistry. He's going to ha- he's going to be able on third downs to come in and, and um, you know, have that you know, perfect timing routes and, and everything out of the backfield and, and hit him everything. But you're saying you feel that he's going to win the job over James Robinson and, and be a three down back. You, I think you feel, he's going to see more work. Um, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's not going to be 50-50. I think that the ETN will see that. So Robinson, he had a perfect storm last year in terms of he got so many targets. Um, and I don't mm-hmm. even think that was his profile. I think it was just the offense was just so limited – um, that he benefited from from being so targeted. And he was a very efficient runner. I mean, the guy looked great. But I think that if ETN is going to get targets out of the backfield, mm-hmm. is the goal line duties going to drive Robinson's value? I mean, I just think it's going to be more of a, a 60-40 situation. Um, I'm not sure if either will end up being value. I don't think Robinson's going to disappear. Um, I think he's still going to go into that seventh round maybe eighth round um it'll be interesting to see where, where etn goes but um i for me he's gonna I have to fall a lot he's gonna have to fall a lot then from where he's going now because he's going in the top four rounds mostly mm. in no. the draft that i've, oh, that yeah. I've seen I'm surprised to see that yeah yeah 
And uh, and for ETN, even Theo, like wh- where do you expect to expect to see him on the board uh, come late August? So I think he'll I think he'll be a fifth round a fifth round running back. Um, okay. I think a fifth round is about right for him. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think Robinson will will scoot back a little bit. Um, I think it'll be. You know, we saw DeAndre Swift go in the, you know, fifth, sixth round as a rookie. I think that'll be kind of about where we see him, yeah. you know, the camp anchors yeah. range. Um, I think that it. the other thing is, you know, we have preseason this year. So yeah. a couple of big yeah. plays by ETN is going to drive him right up. And he's the kind yeah, of guy that can flash. So I think such that's a, such a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if ETN, you know, hauls off a, an Amir Abdullah run, it, oh it, my it, god, Dan, you're reading my mind. I was literally like I was just waiting to throw that name I remember that one. Yeah. I swear to God, that's crazy. We, we yeah. all remember that one, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, but the other thing is if ETN goes like 13 for 33 or something in a preseason game, that could that could totally trash his value. But you know, to me, the the bigger issue is I, you know, what do we think about Urban Meyer as an NFL coach? Um because yeah. I got some serious questions. I mean, you know, Trevor Lawrence, fine. You know, obvious one-on-one pick. Um, everybody's been, you know, he, he, he's he got everything going for him. You know, I'm, I have no problem with that as a one-on-one. But then to go and take ETN, you know, it, as a first-round pick, when you've got a free square in Robinson, I mean – you know, we, we know you don't need to improve the running back position. You could use this draft capital on some place that could improve your team a lot in another area. And then, you know, you're you're signing Tim Tebow. So what he can, uh, you know, get his three games of uh, service time in and and uh, get the full NFL pension. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I just have some serious questions about Urban Myers and NFL coach. So, Dan, real quick on that, because that's a huge topic now, the whole Tebow thing right now. And for me, I look at it so differently than I think most people are talking. Everybody's like, oh, Tebow, they're bringing him in as a tight end and and he's stealing a job from, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, someone that deserves to have that tight end position and yada, 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 all that. I don't think Urban Ma is looking at it at all from that perspective. He's trying to build this locker room and bring in a right. winner and bring in a team motivator and a guy that's going to be there in that third quarter, fourth quarter on the sidelines, going up and down the field to everybody on the bench going, come on, let's go and leave the team huddle before the game. And he's looking to build a winning attitude. And who better to bring in than Tim Tebow himself? And, you know, that's maybe a great he's the point, Chris. Second guy, maybe he's the 52nd guy on the roster, the third tight end that dresses and two plays a game, he comes in and blocks, you know, right. as a blocking tight end. You know, there's a lot of tight ends that don't even touch the ball, that they're just there to block. So I think or, that's the way Urban Mai is bringing in Tim Tebow. Is or, to, or, is, or is a goal well, line bulldozer, you know? 100%. Even yeah. better. Right there, Dan. Uh, bulldozer, put him in the fullback position. He plays on the goal line. He does that little jump pass, you know, yeah. that he was known for. Uh, so uh, that's my Tebow view. Um uh, before that, who was the player you were just talking about before that? I, I'm sorry, we got off. Uh, <laughs> Robinson. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the, we were talking about ETN in terms ETN of ETN and Robinson. Yeah, you know, like a, being a head scratcher for Jacksonville, a 25th overall. Well, Urban Myers come out and said his heart was broken when Kadarius Tony got taken by the Giants at 20, which means right. hey, 
if the Giants didn't snatch him, most likely Jacksonville was going to add to their wide receiver crew and put Kadarius Toney on this team. And I don't want to say that they panicked because it's an NFL team, but, you know, he's a rookie head coach. Maybe there wasn't any other wide receivers that he loved right there. He said, all right, you know what, let me go get this running back that I really like, even though we, we shouldn't be taking him right now or whatever. But uh, I know, he, you know, if he what he says is true, he had his heart set on uh, Kadarius Toney at 25. Which is another reason I hate Gettleman because he just ruined uh, James Robinson. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of reasons to hate Gettleman. As a oh guy. yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the guy finally makes year. a good move, trades down in the first round, you know, <laughs> yeah. gets the extra, gets the extra pick in the in, yeah. in the 2022 draft. You know, the extra first, and then he's got he's got this glorious opportunity at uh, at pick 20, and he takes Kadarius Tony of yeah. all people. Which yeah. is, you know, when I think about the Giants' needs, I mean, wide receiver, as you said earlier, Chris, is probably yeah. one of the lowest needs. And he knocks Jacksonville off of their pick, so they take ETN. I mean, so it was like this, yeah. like this whole, you know, like vicious cycle. Trickle-down effect. Yeah. yeah. Trickle-down effect. Yeah. Just horrible, horrible, horrible stuff, for the, you know, for fantasy. I mean, it was just, yeah, the worst. Agreed. Agreed. And I and as a Giant fan, I love that we got the number one pick uh, from the Bears for the first yes. year. Yeah. And, and, and we talked about it earlier. I wasn't like crazy at the time with with Tony. I actually wanted Rashawn Slater, the the uh, offensive lineman yeah, uh, yeah. from Northwest. And that's who I wanted right then at that pick. But if, you know, we get Tony and, and then, uh, you know, another first round draft pick, which was supposed to be, a, you know, a more loaded draft next year. You know, maybe uh, it's to be determined what the Giants did this year, you know, uh, until next year. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So if we look at, uh, you know, we talked about landing spots, rookies looking at, uh, you know, whether it's guys going to their second, third year. Are there veterans right now that, again, we don't want to give too many of your secrets. We're hoping people... <laughs> You know, men in black, they're going to forget yes, everything. Yes, we do. I have to go up against Chris. I want all his secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is going to purposely be asking. I like you guys. So, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna open the bag up a little bit tonight. So, all I'm right, usually right. very tight-lipped. My, the, my friends in the industry, they know that most of the time I don't – I keep everything very, very, uh, you know, to, to, the, to the pocket. But uh, I like you guys. So, we'll see. Appreciate. Right. It. Let's 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 get him going, JD. Come on. Appreciate that. So so just looking at non-rookie, you know, anyone that's going in their second, like I said, third, fourth year, anyone that you feel you know a breakout has become uh, like uh, you know the Kleenex right. of fantasy football these days. But yeah. is there someone that you truly believe is going to take the next step that you know whether you're investing in or or, or you've already got on your roster, as you feel is you know significantly going to take a step this year. I'll give you two guys that I love coming into their second season. Actually, um, it's it's Michael Pittman in Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, they brought back T.Y. Hilton, but he's shot. He's done. I've been off T.Y. Hilton for a while. I don't. What are you pointing at there? I can't see. My little Colts, my little Colts helmet there. Oh yeah. Well, poor T.Y. Hilton. I don't know if they gave him that one year contract as a thank you for everything he's done for yeah. Indianapolis, but. He's passing over the mantle, kind of like how Julio did to Calvin Ridley in, in Atlanta. Um, I, I think Pittman will be a legit number one 
you know, for the Colts and in the NFL starting this season. Uh, I love Pittman. Uh, it's at the wide receiver position. And uh, J.K. Dobbins in, in Baltimore, uh, mm. I think he's a star. And I think he's um, – right now, right now he's an early third rounder in a lot of drafts I've been seeing going. And I'm shocked that he gets out of the second round. And I'll tell you right now, that's not going to happen in August and September. Uh, you won't see him as a third-round draft pick. Do you feel his ceiling is capped in that offense or with, with Lamar there? No, I, I don't. Um, you know, he, they have a, a really good offensive line. Uh, I like their offense. Yeah, Lamar, you know, likes to take off and and, and run a bunch of them in. But uh, and, and then there's the Gus Edwards factor. But uh, I think that's why you're seeing his um, draft price right now not be a late first round or early second round because of what you just said. So if you – feel that way i think that i think the it, the risk is built into the price, know, his cost it, to his price right now at, yeah. at that 25 to 30 overall range and if you can start off your team and add him as your third player whether you're you go big wide receiver one and big wide uh, running back and then come back and make him your rb2 or you know however way you want to play it yeah, I like that. I think he's I think he's an answer uh, this year, uh, you know, at that price. But it's not going to last. He'll be a top eighteen overall pick uh, come come September. Yeah, I think I think if you can catch him in the third round right now, that's that's a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I do have more concerns over his ceiling just because of the way that offense tends to to fuzz out the touches. Yeah, uh, but you know, like you can't argue the talent. I mean, you just can't. So, right. you know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's just that simple. Talent mm-hmm. ones out. Great. I think people, some people are, are not necessarily fading him, but I think he's falling a little bit because the, the threat of Gus Edwards, which is, you know, does, does Dobbins take the next big step this year? You would think, mm-hmm. you know, they would look to feature their best offensive, their best offensive weapon. Um, you know, after two back-to-back playoff losses. So I think that the, the Dobbins call is great. Um, I do worry about, like Ian said, can we get him some targets? That's um, the question know, it to doesn't, me. It doesn't, yeah. have to be, it doesn't have to be a, a ton of them. But can we get him yeah. enough targets where you know, he's able to get the ball in space and, right. and do some of the things he did at Ohio State? I would love to see the, the Ravens just commit to, you know, even if he's a, a, a two or three reception a game guy there, it would be tremendous. Um, and then, Pittman, and, and, and let's be clear: we do not fear Gus Edwards. We fear Greg Roman. Right? Yes. yes, yes. But the price is, but but the price is what it is because of that receptions deal. I, you right. know, people are worried in today's fantasy f- football. We need running backs we're drafting early that we know are going to be factors in the pass game because mm-hmm. when we're playing PPR leagues, full point PPR leagues, for those people out there listening that are non-PPR, which is crazy to me still that people play non-PPR or half-point PPR. When you get into these PPR leagues, if you have a bad day rushing and you're rushing for, you know, 17 carries for 55 yards and you don't get in the end zone, you're killing me. But you know what? If you add five for 55 in in the game, well, you know what? You just snuck out a a 15, 16, 17-point game, and that's all I need, you know, as my RB2. Just get me over that 15-point mark, and now we're talking. And now I'm really making money when you're getting me over the 20-point mark every week. So the thing with Dobbins is, is yes, the 100%. And you compare him to the other second-year uh, second backs, 
the Cam Akers, the DeAndre Swift. You really don't have to worry about that. These guys are going to catch the ball. So, uh, you know, Theo, you're right on the money with the the, the reception uh, issues with, with Dobbins and concerns. I love your Pittman call. Um, I think it's the parallels with Pittman um, and Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton, year two, uh, I think he was going around, I know in FFPC drafts, um, in NFFC drafts, he was the kind of guy you're getting in the eighth, ninth round. Uh, he ended up returning wide receiver two value. Um, mm-hmm. I think Pittman has a, has a lot of the same characteristics. He's a big, strong receiver. He He's by far the most wide receiver one profile on that team. I like that call a lot, and I think that um, you know, he's kind of getting lost in the shuffle a little bit um, because of the C.D. Lambs and the Justin Jeffersons in that class, right. the Higgins and the Chase Claypools. All these guys have popped, and Pittman's kind of, you know, he, right now you can get him, you know, in that ninth round. Um, and, yeah. you know, he has a great chance to pop right there. I love those two calls. Yeah, and you know what? We're mentioning all these names, and as, as we're mentioning all these names, isn't it amazing, guys, how much talent we have in the second year of players? Mm-hmm. Like everybody, we just – the Jonathan Taylors, the Akers, mm-hmm. the Swifts, the Dobbins, Pittman. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is in his second year. I think he's in a great spot to have a huge bounce-back season after – People overdrafted him, in my opinion, as a top six overall uh, pick last year. But so much talent last year's class that they're going to be uh, stars this upcoming year as uh, second-year players. Now, now, is there a possibility of disappointment with this year's class because of how – what we got I, last year? I mean, I, I think I think so. I think I think that's a definite possibility. I mean, if you look at the first round this year and you go through the skill players, I mean, who really impresses you so much? There was, you know, it's yeah, there's Jamar Chase and and the three receivers that we mentioned, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And and then there's Najee Harris, you know, who yep. is the going to be the running back position is probably going to fall on him rookie wise uh, as a first rounder along with ETN, but I don't see him having the opportunity that Harris has. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see that rookie class of this upcoming season being as dynamite as last year's was. Yeah, I think last year's was just historically good. Um, I think people could get caught into, in the trying to draft too many rookies to try to emulate that success we saw last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harris at least is going to have unbelievable volume. I mean, he seems like he could get 250 carries mm-hmm. um, in that offense. But yeah, it's uh, it last year just spoiled us. Um, you, know, you had so much talent in that class. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the way I'm looking at redraft right now is you you look at the dynasty um, ADP and you know who's who's going right now, and then you take a look at redraft and you try to find those players that are are higher in dynasty but are really falling in redraft. And yeah. those are the players I want to gamble on. You know, I don't want to gamble on the guys who are like, you know, um, who are kind of, you know, like mid late first round picks in dynasty. And they're going pretty high in redraft because to me that just, that feels real shaky. Uh, but if I can get a guy, you know, in the, you know, the, the teens rounds and redraft, but he's going, you know, kind of mid to late first round in uh, dynasty, you know, those are the kind of guys who want to 
gamble on a little bit, you know, and that, that's, that's why Terrace Marshall, you know, is a, is a guy we mentioned before, you know, fits right in there. You know, he's a, he's a guy that uh, you're going to grab in the, the mid to late first in, uh, re, in dynasty, but you can grab him super late and redraft. So, you know, that's, that's where I'm looking to make my, my gambles uh, for the most part in uh, redraft leagues. What do you guys think about that? I was going to, I'm, I'm going to add to the question, just Chris and Theo, you guys can both answer. Where, where are you putting these rookies when you're doing a redraft, especially like these big money tournaments, just because like, you know, we're talking about all these rookies, but what Dan just said, you know, basically saying the high end dynasty guys, the valuable dynasty pieces, those are the guys, the, the obvious guys getting taken. Where are you with rookies when you're building your redraft rosters, Chris, and then we'll go to Theo. Oh, I don't, I don't mind. Uh, you know, every year is a different story. Uh, I always say that. That's one of the things I'll always say in terms of anything, whether it's, you know, somebody will say, oh, Chris, you're a big, uh, you know, you want to draft your wide receivers. You're a zero RB guy. You know, you draft your receivers. Early. Well, you know what? For years I was. But if you look my last couple of years now, I build off my running backs more. And this upcoming mm-hmm. season, I'm going to look at the draft board. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to study it. And I'm going to see which my best option is. And you got to be fluid. I could go either way. Same thing with rookies. I don't have any problem drafting rookies on a year-to-year basis. I'm not one of those guys that says, okay, well, this rookie, I'm not – I don't – it's talent. And you know what? One of the things that I think we are all, um, you know, have as an advantage over some of our competitors because there's a lot of people I talk to that are in the high-stakes market. And I'm like, hey, what do you think of college? Oh, I don't watch college football. Well, I think we all have an advantage that we're college football guys. We sit down, we see these players ahead of time coming into the league. So, you know, uh, there's certain players that I say to myself, well, when he's ready to be drafted in the NFL, I want that guy. And there's certain guys that don't, you know. Um, I think the big guy that we're going to see this year, J.D., I don't know if this is answering your question. I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, Harris, you know, in Pittsburgh, he's going to be, a, a, you know, the first rookie off the board unless I'm – yeah, I, I, he's yeah. going to be the first rookie off the board, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. Uh, late second round, early third round right now. And we talked about exhibition games this year being back. Well, guess what? He goes 18 carries for 125 <laughs> yards in that third preseason game. Guess what? Hello, second round mm-hmm. in late August, early September. So um, – That's a good point. You know what? If, if he shows it to the, the mass of people in the preseason and he looks like the undefined bell cow with no competition in Pittsburgh, yeah, I got no problem drafting him as early as I want him. Yeah. yeah. And, and he doesn't have a lot of competition in Pittsburgh, let's be real. Nope. And, and even as a rookie, when you like just when you look at all the rookies and a mm-hmm. 2021 production, you know, if you know, you look at the sermons, the Carters, if these guys are all being drafted overdrafted, I guess you can kind of say he might be the only guy that's legit running back wise anyways, uh, for mm-hmm. 2021. Yeah, it might. And, and, um, you know, the rookie position, as we've seen these past bunch of years in the NFL, they hit the ground running. There's, there's no reason to be like, Oh, he's a rookie. Uh, I'll wait another year for him. These rookie running backs, they hit the ground running. Look, and then at the wide receiver position, even more so than it, it ever been, you know, Justin right. Jefferson won people a ton of money last year. Uh, so you got to forget about the rookie thing. Um, you know, when you're redrafting, it doesn't matter if you know what you're getting with these certain players, you can't be scared to take them off the board. Yeah. I, and I'll agree with that. I think that, um, rookie running backs have always been, or not, you know, 
necessarily always, but you know, you could go back to the to the Elliott draft, the Saquon Barkley draft. People are not scared to take rookie running backs early. I think you actually find a lot of value in rookie wide receivers. If you're willing to take shots on the right rookie wide receiver, I mean, even a guy like Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase might get pushed down to the late fifth, early sixth round. I personally think he's going to beat his ADP this year right off the top. Um, I think rookie wide receivers, if you're if you're willing to take some shots on them, they can absolutely pay off. Um, and as we saw last year, I believe it was five in the in the top 36 and about five rookie wide receivers last year in the top 36. And I think we had yep. um, four in the in the in the top 24. So um, I I know this year's class is going to have a couple of guys like that. So you know you take a shot on you know some of the, the names we've talked about. You might get Elijah Moore in the you know twelfth round, and he might end up with yep. seventy catches this year. So I think yeah. rookie rookie wide receivers to me is where you find the value because rookie running backs nobody's scared. I mean, at the end of the day, they're all going to go where they go. I mean, we saw last year. Um, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I I'll echo that. I think they are, you, that is a great point, exactly the way you said it. Nobody's scared to draft rookie running backs, but you could get some really good value on rookie wide receivers, mm-hmm. uh, and that's been shown year in and year out. Now these last bunch of years, if uh, you know in these land, look at T Higgins last year. Another one, Theo. You know, T Higgins was a monster, right? It, it, it took it took what five or six games, I think maybe. Uh, you know, once AJ Green again went down. Uh, T. Higgins was a monster, and Justin Jefferson, again, like we said, uh, w- was big time. So, Brandon uh, Ayuk, like you talked about, guys who broke yeah. out. I mean, Ayuk, you yeah. started him in the right weeks. You're in those weeks. Yes. Um, it was a fantastic, fantastic class of wide receivers. One really rookie was. you haven't touched upon, Chris, um, mm-hmm. I mean, you have mentioned him. Talk to me about Kyle Pitts. Um, oh. What are your expectations for Kyle Pitts' his career? And then what are your expectations for year one? Okay, so I know I know I went crazy talking about Jamar Chase earlier. You could just pretty much pencil in Kyle Pitts at the tight end position and my love for him. I think Kyle Pitts, you know, in a couple of years, he's he's George Kittle, Travis Kelsey to us in fantasy, you know, top 15 overall, top 20. Lands in a great spot with a veteran quarterback that had Tony Gonzalez years ago, knows where to put Pitts. Um, and it's not, he doesn't, he doesn't land in a spot where he's the focus of the offense, you know, even better teams aren't going to be able to focus on him. He's a, he's an absolute, um, you know, matchup nightmare. No one's going to be able to keep up with him in the middle of the field, uh, straight speed, great hands, absolute stud. Another guy that the price I'm seeing it might be a little too high rookie season just because of the talent that he has around him. Is he going to have games where he's eight for 90 and, and a touchdown or two? Yeah. Is he going to be that every week where I got to take him in the fifth round and as a, a fifth tight end off the board, fourth tight end off the board after the, uh, you know, the Kelsey Kittles, Mark Andrews of the world. Um, he's got to fall back a couple of rounds probably for me, as much as I love him talent wise and as much as he's going to be the number one tight end off the board, for fantasy for the next decade uh, for this upcoming season alone, if we're talking the, the price is a little too high, but he's going to be a, he's going to be an absolute stud. 
He's a, he's a nice sell for a contender right now, in my opinion, if you did draft him. Yeah, and mm. and here's the thing. I mean, you know, the other the other narrative street point is uh, Arthur Smith came up as a tight ends coach, uh, you know, and he's the coach of the Falcons right now. So, you know, you know yeah. he's going to know what to do with Pitts. Uh, you know, what I'd be looking for is if, if Julio gets traded, then, yeah. yeah, it's wheels all the way up. Oh, yeah. Great you point, know? man, yeah. Yeah, and that's and 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 I'm factoring in as if Julio is going to be there, and, yep. and then you still have you know you got you got to keep Calvin and Julio happy every right. week. That's right. a lot of targets right there to go around. So right. Pitts is playing third fiddle to those guys. So now you want me to pay a fifth round, sixth round draft price and redraft for a tight end that's a rookie. So he's still going to have a learning curve. Took tight end mm-hmm. position as a rookie is they say is one of the hardest positions to pick up. You want me to play, you know, third, fat, third, fourth fiddle in in the pass game uh, as a rookie, and you want me to pay a fifth round, sixth round price? Uh, mm, no, thank you. Well, let's let's just let's have some fun with Pitts. Let's go around the horn. Uh, how many targets do you think Pitts is going to get his rookie year? I'll I'll start. I'm going to throw out 95. JD. Uh, yeah, without kind of diving into rookie tight ends, um, I don't know, I'll go 65. Ooh. Yeah, I, I think Dan nailed it. Uh, I, Hawkinson last year was was 100 targets on the nose, I believe. Was he really? He See, I have no I was going to ask. Like, somebody give me some kind of guideline here. What a rookie <laughs> – what is a rookie tight end? Throwing you in the spot, J.D. Yeah, so Hawkinson get, if Hawkinson's getting 100 in year two um, – you know, Hawkinson was also a top 10 pick. Um, it's going to be hard for me to see. It's going to be hard for me to see Pitts crack 100 targets. And I think the yep. way he's being drafted right now, um, you know, right now he's going ahead of guys like Bill Fant, Dallas Goddard, Logan Thomas, a lot of these drafts. I mean, he's a 20-year-old. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will I will just – I'll go 96. I'll go one over one over Dan. Julio Jones goes. I mean, if Julio Jones leaves, I mean, like Dan said, I mean, you could talk about him getting in that that one ten plus um, yeah. range. I mean, if he gets a uh, you know one hundred ten to one hundred twenty targets, I mean, it's it's scary what he could do even at twenty years old. So, um, I think Dan's about right on that. Yeah, it's, yes. a, it's a great number. I, I would have said ninety to one hundred five right there. So you know, I'll say ninety four. How about that? You guys, you know what? Thanks. Yeah, we, we've seen <laughs> it better hit 95 on the money for you to it's win. Right on the money, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking to my 65, man. I'm looking at, yeah. at, at TJ. Yeah. Right JD's now. a guy you're gonna need an injury. <laughs> you're gonna need an injury then. Uh, yeah. JD's going one target. I'll take one target. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you, you do have to love him for the for the quarterback that he's attached to in this offense, and and like you said, Dan, the head coach as yeah. well, and and the success Matt Ryan has had with tight ends through the years. Mm-hmm. You know, he made Austin Hooper a star. Uh, you know, right. Uh, and, uh, you know, they still have Hayden Hurst that's got to get something uh, next year yeah. also. And they probably have the opportunity to play double tight end uh, with the two of them in the middle of the field with, with Cal. And then can't forget about uh, the, the other weapons that they have, too. So um, it'll be interesting. It's going to be an interesting offense, that's for sure. Yeah, the one, the one guy I was taking a lot weight in uh, best balls was uh, Russell Gage. And I think Pitts just crushes him. Oh, just yeah. Absolutely crushes him. I mean, I'm I'm so off of gauge right now, mm-hmm. and yeah, 
Yeah, snap wise, it's you know, is, is it going to be there now? I know Julio always misses his time now. Oh, geez, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hope that didn't hope that didn't go through your ears, everybody. But um, you know, Julio always misses his time, and that's where Russell Gage is going to you know yeah. shine. Yeah, that's that, that's his, basically his only route to targets right yeah. now. I think. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we're going to do some OTC quick before we uh, shut this thing down. That's some on the clock. Chris, uh, basically, I'm going to throw a couple names at you guys. I might change up the ones that I initially put on the sheet to just to just to stick to what we're doing tonight. I'll go to you first, Chris. Do you prefer Sutton or Galladay? Sutton or Galladay? That's a good one. Uh, I'm a, I love Cortland Sutton. Uh, is he's healthy, hopefully coming right back into the season. Uh, and I think he, uh, I think he hits the ground right where he running, right where he picked up. Give me something. Wow. I like it. Wow. Yeah. This coming from a Giants fan too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't overlook this. I mean, that's, that's, that's serious. I'm a big, I'm a big Cortland Sutton guy. And, and I was all in on him. He hurt me bad going down, uh, you know, last year. Yeah, last year, um, but uh, he—I I really thought he was going to be, a, you know, a top ten wide receiver last year and a and a legit wide receiver one in the NFL. One of my favorite targets this offseason, especially best ball. Mm-hmm. Um, how about uh, T.J. Hawks or Kyle Pitts? T.J. Ho- I'm sorry, is, is this for me yeah. or yeah. We'll yeah. yeah, we'll go to Chris first. T.J. Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson, huge second year leap, especially with the lack of targets and receivers in that offense. The whole offense is going to be Swift and, and Hawkinson for me. Hawkinson can be a top five tight end next year easily. You guys disagree, Dan? Theo? Dude, I don't I'm, disagree. I'm big on, I, I love Hawkinson in, in Dynasty and Redraft. I mean, I think he he could get a, I mean, it, it might not happen but he could get Darren Waller-like targets next year just based on what they have at wide receiver. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Swift will get a lot of targets. Hawkinson will get a lot of targets. And I think having a little bit more robotic quarterback like Goff might actually help him a little bit. I mean, Stafford taking shots downfield. I think that Goff's going to run the offense. And uh, I think Swift and Hawkinson will both be big beneficiaries in terms of receiving. And we got to go down narrative street once again. Dan Campbell, position. Tight end. Tight end. There you go. That's right. Yep. Quick one. Uh, speaking of tight end, Dan, I put this poll on. You and I were on the clock. I mean, I had a feeling we were going to go <laughs> one direction, but I had so many shares of this guy in, in the last couple of months that I was like, you know what? Let's put this up. It's kind of interesting because of the dynamic of each guy. I'll go to you first, Chris. Tight end position. You like Ferkshire out there in Tennessee, or you like Big Jar- Blake Jarwin coming back from injury? Uh, let's go Ferkser for this one. Uh, you know, Jarwin will have those three or four big games where he's, you know, the six for 85 and a touchdown in that offense. He's definitely in the better offense, but you know what? Again, let's go back to the lack of targets in a particular offense and who could play a bigger role. Whereas Jarwin is going to be that fourth, fifth option in Dallas's offense every week. Ferkser might play the second, you know, he might be the second fiddle, uh, the, the second, uh, target to A.J. Brown a lot of weeks. So uh, give me Ferkser over uh, Jarwin for the upside. Mm-hmm. Anyone disagree? Agreed. No, I'll agree, and I'll take a step further. I think that Dalton Schultz is going to challenge Jarwin. I think Schultz did enough last year 
Um, you know, when question. the offense was doing poorly, uh, we haven't really heard a, a big vote of confidence out of Dallas. We haven't heard anybody singing Jarwin's praises this offseason saying, you know, this is the, the piece we're getting back. Um, you know, Schultz is still there, and I think that that's a messy situation. I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll have some clarity by late August, but that's that's a tight end room to avoid. And Ferkser looks like, like you guys said, I mean, you know, the guy played last year. He pulled in for Humphreys at in the slot, and he played it. You know, I think he out targeted Janu a lot of games. I mean, I think Ferkser could be a real sleeper this year. Right. Yeah. And when it comes to tight ends, I mean, you know, basically you're looking at two things. You're looking at targets and touchdowns, right? Uh, and, you know, if you can figure out touchdowns for tight ends, then A, more power to you, and B, please tell me your secrets because mm-hmm. I would really, really like to know them. Uh, but if you can't guess the touchdowns in advance, then I'd rather be able to guess the targets in advance. And um, one, of, one of my favorite follows when it comes to tight ends is uh, um, a guy named At Koopa Fiasco. Um Andrew Cooper, and uh, he's really, really big on, uh, you know, trying to guess who's going to have the best tight end targets. And, you know, he's looking for those guys where a tight end is going to be the number two or at worst a high number three receiver in the offense and trying to find those guys and just sticking with those guys as his, his, uh, you know, tight end targets, you know, once you get past like the big three, the big five, whatever you want to call them, um, you know, then, then, just basically either punting at tight end or grabbing one of these guys that he really feels is going to get those big targets. And uh, it's tough to see Jarwin getting that kind of target share in the Dallas offense. I mean, you know, obviously Dallas is going to have a big, you know, they're going to have a lot of pass attempts, but uh, you know, putting, putting Jarwin up, you know, with, uh, with Schultz and then you've got those three wide receivers and you've got Zeke Elliott. I mean, you know, where's Darwin going to get that many targets? I mean, you're just betting on the touchdowns at this point. Right. And there's a lot of weeks in that Dallas offense of Jarwin getting one mm-hmm. target. You right. Know, that's coming. So if you, if you can guess which week is the Jarwin week, you're a better person than me. Yeah. And you better be playing DFS if you're that person. Right. right. So the poll ended up way closer than I thought. 54% in favor of uh Ferkser versus uh Jarwin. Yeah. Let's first, I mean, you know, to, to get back to the other side of it, I mean, you know, look at who's left in uh, Tennessee. I yeah. mean, you've got you got AJ Brown, you got Ferkser, and uh, you've got what Josh Reynolds and who yeah. else? Which is I a mean, sneaky, which is a sneaky pickup. I like that Josh Reynolds uh, coming in now to, to yeah, Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, great best ball guy right there, Josh Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Some some platforms still have the LAR beside his name for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, last one, guys. My favorite position to talk about running back. Just, I'm going to change up what I had on the show sheet again, just based on what we talked about. Do we like um, Pollard or Trey Sermon, Chris? Ooh, Pollard, uh, Tony Pollard, uh, for me. Just because I'll say there's only a certain handful of guys that you know at the running back position, backup running back position, where the starter goes down, it's a league winner. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Tony Pollard is in that Dallas offense. If Zeke goes down early in that season and you got Tony Pollard sitting in, you know, on that back end of the benches, you're running back five or six that you got in the 11th. Uh, hello, home run city. Cause if Zeke went down the day before the opening draft of your, of your season, you best believe Tony Pollard is a top 25 overall pick. 
And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, give me the home run ability for, for Tony Pollard over the, you know, over Sermon for this upcoming season. Yeah, I love it. I love it. You guys have anything to add? No, I mean, that's that's the contest league mentality right there. I mean, you know, just to put it in a nutshell, I mean, if you're drafting your home league, you know, you might tra- take Trey Sermon just because, you know, he's going to get more guaranteed touches and, you know, probably going to, you know, have some pretty good weeks. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're looking for putting together that, that team that can win a tournament, power, no yeah. doubt. And I draft that way, guys. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not – I'm one of those guys that on every one of my teams, you'll see as my RB four or five, one of those home run picks, oh, yeah. you know, last year, every one of my rosters probably looked at it. There was the Alexander Madison. There was the Tony Pollard. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was Chase Edmonds, which, you know, I was hoping, you know, that Drake mm-hmm. would go down and Edmonds would be in that offense as the RB one. <laughs> I'm always going to have one of those home run lottery tickets on my team at the running back position and make it a point, you know, when I'm on that clock to, to get one of those teams, you know, to one of those guys, not, not where I need him every week. And I know he's sitting on my bench, but you know, three or four teams starting running back goes down. Well, now I, I have a, a big time RB one on my hands. My yeah, and you got, you got to design your team too. So you can keep them on your roster all year. So that whenever that does happen, you know, yeah. you, you're not sitting there going, oh, man, I just dropped him in week six. Mike Davis, Carolina, last right. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you yeah. go. League winner. Mm-hmm. Chris, yeah. you've been a goat in more ways than one. You 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 even pushed this thing to, to a double a double epi. We're at two hours, I think we're at. Oh, wow. Look at that. We're, there you go. I'll tell you what, boys. It felt like it was 20 minutes. So it did. It was awesome. You guys. This was an awesome, awesome, awesome one. I love it because, uh, you know, we, we asked you and we kind of took advantage, but I we appreciate uh, how awesome mm-hmm. you've been tonight. Again, guys, check him out at The Athletic. Check him, check out the podcast. Check, just follow him on Twitter. Remind the people your Twitter handle. You don't have it up in front of you, so I know there's three letters at the end. Uh, yeah, it's very simple. It's Chris Vaccaro, GST. GST stands for Greenwich Street Tavern, the name of my bar in New York City. So if anybody's go. ever in New York City, when you guys come to New York City, there we go. Um, and we always start off the high stakes weekend uh, every year at my bar. We got all the high stakes players come in, and that's how we kick off the uh, the weekend. So uh, nice. that's what it is. Chris Vaccaro, GST on Twitter. We appreciate you, Chris, man. Tonight was was awesome. Was uh, beyond expectation. Theo, the Greminger, I know you're going to be over at that bar uh, probably yeah. by the weekend if it's open up there, open down there. But uh, <laughs> Oh, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> remind the people where they can find all your goodness that you're dropping, whether it's in the district or out there in the, 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 the um, breakout finder, anywhere else people can find you. So you can find me here on the GOAT District. Um, we have enough, more of these triflexin uh, pods coming up with Andrew Schellenberg. We're talking about our build in the uh, the new the new Rotoviz triflex format on FFPC. It's an awesome, awesome format for anybody looking for one. Um, you can find my writing on Breakout Finder and PlayerProfiler.com. I have the uh, waiver wire column on Player Profiler this year. Um, and you can find me here in the district. But this is an awesome pod tonight. I really enjoyed it, fellas. Yeah, man, ton of fun and ton of goodness, Dan. I think you'd agree. Your hair looks like it agrees, man. That flows just on on point tonight. Man, yeah, that's jealous just, of that. It's, yeah. it's going, it's, it's going wild. Yeah, it's, it's such a great pod. 
So yeah, I, I, hundred percent. Uh, you know, if you, if you're looking for me out on Twitter, I'm out there for sure. Uh, feel free to, to hit me up, ask me any questions. You know, if you're, if you're asking me questions, I'll probably give you some good answers. Um, if you're looking for me to just, you know, like throw you things out of the blue, it's probably not going to happen. If you're looking for, you know, exactly what I'm thinking, this is the place to find it right here on the goat district. Uh, and nowhere else, because I mean, you know, I, I, I value those people who listen to this pod and, uh, they're going to get a little bit more from me than just the average Joe out on Twitter. So that's the way it is. hundred percent guys. And like I say, every week, make sure you stick with us. I mean, not only is this dropping on the weekly, you've got Theo, Andrew dropping the triflex edition. You've got John dropping commissioner evaluation. We've got a, a, a couple other new show is coming on the network so no matter the format man if you want to win your fantasy league i mean we showed you tonight we bring in a guy like chris just drop in two hours of serious knowledge our supporters man we can't thank them enough make sure you visit them myffpc.com high stakes low stakes any format you want to play it's on there Viridian global super comfortable super i mean affordable uh, and any, you know, you're not finding, you know, um, Jermaine Chase or uh, or you're not finding like a rookie T-shirt or a CEH T-shirt or a Kyle Pitts T-shirt anywhere. You're finding it at Reading Global. So you're in a fantasy. You've listened to us for two hours. There's no way that you, you're not going to find some goodness on there. And then finally, finally, our friends at Dynasty Depot, the FFPC, build those dinos, go on the Dynasty mm-hmm. Depot, buy and sell those bad boys. I know I'm going to sell my uh my defending champ 500 I, I'm, I'm gonna list that thing that's my entry into the dynasty depot i've been waiting for the rookie draft because i had no first or second round picks so now that my stacked up roster is ready to be put for sale look for that on the dynasty depot but we want to thank you guys for uh tuning in as usual press the subscribe button if you haven't done it already the like button to show the support ring that bell we'll check you back later next week in the district. Be safe, be happy, and I'll repeat myself. We'll check you all later. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy Trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I'll always be traded. And I'll always be traded. And I'll always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish.